The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Cheers. Cheers. Ready? Hey. Must be Canadian week. Two Canadians in a row. Salute, <laughs> my friend. Where's the other one? Oh, yeah. The Jordan Peterson. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah, Jordan was on yesterday. Um, your country's in revolt. Do you know about this? Well, show this video. Look at this video that I sent Jamie. It's a giant convoy of trucks that's apparently some insane amount of people, like 50,000 trucks, that are headed to Ottawa to protest the vaccine mandates by Trudeau. And, and they're all coming from Canada because they're, they're not all allowed to in come Canada. In. They're all That's in crazy. Canada. It's all Canadian truckers because apparently they're they're all being mandated that they have to get vaccinated. And they're like, "Hey, we don't even contact anybody. We're in our truck. Yeah, like we that's true. we just drive." <laughs> and you know, okay, this is another one that I sent Jamie. Watch this one. <laughs> this girl is like uh, at a bar, and she I don't know if she's a stripper or what, but this is this guy's birthday. Don't you hear it? Where's the volume? Here we go. So watch this. She pours water on him, and then check this out. All fun and games, right? It's all fun, right? How are feeling is gonna end bad her? She tases him. Oh my god! Not good. Yeah. Fucking tased him and lit him on fire. I saw that video today. You saw it too? Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Yeah. First of all, what? Who gets tased at their birthday party? Good point. <laughs> that seems. It's what a kind lot. of friends? They're just sitting at the bar. They're just a yeah. stun gun ready to go. I mean, <laughs> when you get that burnt, like, how, how long was that? Ten seconds. He was on fire for five seconds, maybe. Yeah, you could probably recover from that. Like, Steve-O does wild shit like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But he uh, he had to get like serious. No, Skin good. transplants. Yeah. Remember last time we saw him, he had like really? bandages all over his arms. Yeah, that guy, that guy goes. How do you explain that to your wife, though? Well, she knows. <laughs> well, his, now she knows. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's is he well, married. Steve is, but I don't know about this guy. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, gonna that's issue. gonna be a problem. Well, the video is out, so he's gonna have to explain that. But Steve-O's wife is fully aware that he's out of his fucking mind. <laughs> but that poor guy. So, my friends, for people who don't know you, it's been a few years since you've been on the podcast. You were once a lawyer in Montreal or on your way to becoming a lawyer, and you were like, fuck this life. And now you're a spearfisher person, which seems to be, <laughs> if you looked at that, like on paper, like you're like, how? No, that's a recreational activity. That's not something that you, but you figured out a way with your smart brain to actually monetize it. And, I did. <laughs> and promote it. And it's it's very positive because it's like you're promoting, like, uh, first of all, you're promoting freedom to choose to live your life the way you want to live, which in your case was like, I don't want to be locked in a cubicle. I don't want to be in an office. I don't want to do this. And this diving in the water, holding your breath and pew, 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 shooting fish. <laughs> How's that working out? How many years has it been now? It's been, well, it's been about, what, three years and a half now since I was on the podcast? Yeah. And um, I've been doing this for a good maybe five years. Have your parents settled into it yet? <sighs> they made a bit of way into it, but they still. They wish you the were a The first question is more about like, are you making good money? 
mm. and you find with that, which is fair enough. You know, when you're right. older and you care for your kid, you just want him to be good. Yeah, I guess. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. But it's like they must realize that you're like a social media success now. It's like the whole thing is—it's actually got weight of its own. It's got some momentum. You know, I see your posts and they're very exciting, and you're you're deep, deep, deep in the water with a spear gun in your underwear, like swimming around. <laughs> it's all very exciting, right? I'm way too cold to be wearing underwear in the water. I wish I was, but uh... <laughs> well, sometimes you are, aren't you? Ah. <sighs> Most Even times, when the water's wetsuits. 80, 90 degrees, I always have a wetsuit. Is that because like your body is 95, right? What's a, what's the human body normally? 37 Celsius. Oh, you Canadians. 98.6. 98.6? Right, 98.6. So like anything under that. Like um, when uh, I had a waterbed one point in time, and uh, if you're ever in a waterbed and the, the heat element goes out, you can't sleep in the waterbed. Like, you can't sleep in a cold waterbed. It freezes you. It sucks water from your body. Like, if you're in a waterbed and it's 70 degrees, it's not like being on a 70-degree mattress. It's brutal. I had no clue. Yeah, you would think that it wouldn't be like being in the water, but it feels just like being in the water. It's like, ugh. I had to sleep on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I had, to sleep on, I had to sleep on my carpet. That's that was, crazy. That was no, but that's not the main reason why I, I wear wetsuits, because a lot of creepy stuff out there and I oh. don't want fire coral a bunch of different things so I just want to make sure that my skin is protected does anybody make a wetsuit that's like Kevlar that I know of <laughs> would that work because like Kevlar stops knives and bullets wouldn't it stop like shark bites why would it be the problem is that it has to be flexible because right. afraid of having wetsuit is literally painted on your body right so unless super flexible it has to be like yeah you yeah. have to to it's pretty uncomfortable to put on wetsuit is a wetsuit yeah does it chafe your skin up too it's like first firstly you can't put it on dry so you have to put some soapy water in it oh okay so just that part it's cold outside it's just mm. that's a process yeah just it itself <laughs> and so um they i know they make kevlar clothes is it possible that they can make... See if they make Kevlar wetsuits. Yeah, we got one. Oh, look at that. Kevlar see? neoprene. See, you don't want to die. I'm trying to help you. Don't okay. get eaten. I will start a company of see. Kevlar wetsuit uh, to tomorrow. I think they already have one. <laughs> Jamie's already found one. Yeah, yeah. I at least have articles talking about it. Uh, <clears throat> let me see. I mean, Pretty great idea. There's pictures, but I don't know. It doesn't go. really help a lot. Oh, you got to look like yeah. a Martian. Yeah. Let me see. But it says like they got... Scientists... Got sharks to bite into Kevlar. This is what they found. What the fuck did you find? God damn it, Ed Blogger. That would be so cool because then you could make like a cool shark design. Yeah. Where like your wider bottom and dark red top so like fish can't see you from, from under oh. and then can't see from the top either. That's why sharks are white on the bottom, huh? Yeah. So basically if you look up white, you can't see it. And if you mm. look down darker, you oh, so kind of blend it. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating how, I mean, you must see this a lot because you're always diving, how animals have figured out a way somehow or another through natural selection and evolution to blend in with their environment, like with coral reefs. And, you know, it's like, it's so interesting, like how animals figure out a way to camouflage themselves. I mean, the ocean has been around for forever. So, I mean, marine animals have way more time to evolve also. So it's, it's 
every time I catch a fish, I always spend time looking at it because it's the design behind any type of seafood is just mind blowing. What did you show us, Jamie? They said it was uh, <laughs> they're testing a, a material getting bit by a shark. But Let me see. Yeah, you did it work? You can't tell. So oh well, let's see. It just looks like it's getting eaten. So it's like a brick of the material. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they got it on a board just to see if it cuts through. And I guess it didn't. Why did the shark bite it? It's probably meat inside of it or something. Yeah, they probably put like tuna inside of it. They're so so creepy. Such a fucking creepy animal. I mean, even if you, it's better than getting your arm ripped off, but they're yeah. definitely gonna break it. Yeah, but you know, if it breaks it, wouldn't that be? It's much that's, better. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you, you're not gonna get massive tissue loss. You know, you have to get to yeah, the hospital sure. pretty quick. Plus, the shark would probably be frustrated and swim away. Hopefully. I mean, it's it's most shark attack is very often unless it's rare occasion. That's you know they take one bite and like, Bleh, I don't really like that and they just swim away. Well, aren't we delicious? Why Apparently not. Apparently we taste like shit. <laughs> that's so weird because animals like us. I wonder why sharks don't like us. I'm not sure. Because they love enough. seals. Maybe seals are fucking delicious. Maybe. Oh, Maybe I tried it. Thing. Yeah, you tried seal. I tried it. It's um, seal is actually very invasive in Canada. It's been for a lot of years. Um, really? The normal population that it should be should be around like 400 to 500,000. And now it is above 4 million. 4 million? So it's, it creates a lot of issues on fish stocks, lobsters, things like that. So it's, it creates a, yeah, a lot of problems. So basically there's different people who use You can eat it. You can wear it. You it's, can wear seals? I, I have seal boots oh you shouldn't tell people that on this podcast they're gonna come for you <laughs> don't you think jamie well seals are cute i mean the problem a, with seals a, is like they they hit a ball with their nose they well look cute. it's unless you experience minus 40 weather like you can try with minus 40 celsius H&M boots it's the same in fahrenheit oh that's right that's that's the number where it becomes the same it is yeah it's, it's minus 40 minus 40 and it's canada gets really really cold and sometimes i heard about that it's hard to find clothes that makes you. So seal is the enough. answer. That that's the best stuff to wear, really. I mean, it's it's when you think about it. Okay, Let, let's see this from a rational, not cute little puppy seal perspective. Right. It's when you're comparing a seal boots or seal jacket that's going to last you for forty years, fifty years without degrading in the slightest. They're invasive. You can eat the meat, and then if you want to compare that to a Zara jacket that's created a lot of pollution and created a lot of you know, borderline slaveries and, and, and poorer country. What kind of jacket did you say? Like a Zara. Any What's a Zara? Zara. Z- Zara? Zara. Do you know what that is? My accent yeah, is so weird. company. Oh, like a... Yeah, like a clothing, like H&M. Oh, okay. So it's okay. there are better options out there, but it's, you know, those companies sell a lot of jackets. So it's sometimes you have much better... Right, I get ideas it. ...ideas just by doing that. I see what you're saying, Yeah. The people, well, it's we, we have these weird connect. What is this, Jamie? Seal skin boots. That's oh, the ones wow. I have. Those look pretty dope. <laughs> they actually look pretty dope. <laughs> minus sixty degrees. That's what they're rated at. Oh, really? it's I've I've been in minus fifty seven degrees Celsius in those, and I I was not feeling the cold. Why in are the they so, Why are they so good? Like, I mean, they because they, they they live in freezing cold water, so I'm, I'm guessing that the skin and the fur is actually really, really insulating and really made for. So that would be better, like even if you were like hiking in the mountains, than like an insulated boot, wouldn't it? For sure. If I'm going or when I'm going hunting in Alaska, I'm wearing that. Really? Oh yeah. Are they built for hunting? Like, can you like side hill in them? Do they have good stability? 
I mean, they're pretty good. They have a pretty good gripping type of uh, type of sole, and yeah. the 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 fur is also waterproof. Have you ever seen like what a technical hunting boot looks like? No. <laughs> they um they make them in like a, a good company's crispy. Pull up a uh, crispy C R I S P I. That's a good or Schnees. That's another good one. S H N E E S. Schnees makes an excellent hunting boot, and they make these boots. They design them to be like lightweight, but they also like that's the the mid GTX. I have a pair of those. They're really good. But they make them to be lightweight, but they also have the ability to uh, side hill. So they're rigid on the sides. And then they make them in, like, click on that one right there that you had right there. Oh, very nice. And then they make them in ways where, um, you know, they have varying levels of insulation. But I wonder if they're, if you could wear it like that right there. That's like a serious hunting boot right there. That's very cool. My friends made fun of me because I was kind of wearing sneakers type of thing to go hunting because I didn't have anything else. Were you you were in Texas though? No, I was in Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Was it warm? <laughs> no, it was thirty degrees. It was freezing. Oh really? What did you hunt in Alabama? Um, I went for whitetail, and yeah. then we did a quail hunt on horses. So when did you start hunting? Because you're all about your whole message is like sustainability, right? Yes. And this is the knock on fishing is that people have uh, an idea that fishing is not sustainable. And uh, Jordan Peterson actually talked about this yesterday, and he said what they've figured out is that if you take large blocks of the ocean and make them uh, off-limits to fishing, because all the fish live within 40 miles of the shore, most of the fish do, he said if you take large blocks of these areas and designate them as off-limits to fishing, then the fish grow and thrive in those areas and then they venture out into other areas and it's like it helps it's a win-win well actually that's that study was retracted in october damn it jordan you fucked up <laughs> uh sorry jordan um it's so basically it's what they call uh mpas which is uh, marine protected areas right and there was the studies who came to the conclusion of the fact that if you increase by something like like 4 or 5% the amount of marine protected areas, you would increase the fish stock by 20%. And the, the story was retracted because the doctor who was in charge of the study, apparently the study, the result was, was uh, or other study was depending on the result of this one, and there was a bunch of stuff that was just like kind of not okay at all. And like the other guy who co-authored the paper with her was her brother-in-law, so she broke a bunch of rules when it comes to... to Etiquette kind her, of scientist. The guy who wrote the paper was her brother-in-law. Yeah, there was like some some weird things going oh. on, and so the story the the paper was retracted. Oh. The paper being retracted in the scientific industry is pretty pretty intense. Hmm, here um, it is. Retraction of flawed MPA study implicates larger problems in MPA science. God so damn they it, not Jordan. only they not only found that out, but they also found it out that basically she had vested interests in in governmental policies. Oh. So there was also there was a political meddling into all of this. So, right. so she had a bias in what she was trying to yes. achieve from that study. So this is this is also also a pretty good website. I'm I'm I'm, I'm partner with them and they're uh, University of Washington and they talk about a lot of sustainable seafood and things like that. You partner with them? Yeah, we just uh, build up a blog a blog basically together to talk about sustainable nice. seafood you know like people interested into seafood which is about six people in the world but you know we're a great little community <laughs> people are interested in seafood a lot of people are interested in seafood so what is uh what's the best 
way to keep uh, ocean fish and ocean wildlife sustainable? It's it's such a complex topic. It's very, very complicated because there's a lot of assets to it, right? But it's just the thing that I tell people is tell me what you believe in and I'll tell you what you eat. Mm-hmm. Because there's not one answer. You know, you can think about protecting the ocean. You can think about carbon footprint. You can think about modern slavery. You can think about... Modern slavery? Oh, there's a lot of people who work on boats in different countries that are barely paid. Really? So yes. if you're buying fish, you might be buying fish that was caught by slaves? Yes. So there was a big documentary oh. called Fish... Okay. So just to clarify on that point, though, is the conspiracy talk about that a lot but okay, let's be, you have a french accent and sometimes when you talk <laughs> I, it's it's fine english is your second language i only have one you're better than me but when you say seaspiracy nobody knows what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about you meant seaspiracy it's a film it's a documentary yes seaspiracy so it was a netflix and they kind of portraits a pretty doom and gloom situation of fisheries around the world and it's there's there's about 80% of the seafood being consumed around the world that is still sustainable. There is issues. There is issues in third world countries and, and remote places. The United States is the best country in the world when it comes to sustainable seafood. Really? It's about 99% of the seafood being consumed that's f- coming from the U.S. that is sustainable. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. So when you say sustainable, how do they do that? Are they doing, doing that with uh, offshore farms? Because I know they have some of those because I was in uh, Hawaii um, and uh, we were – shout out to my friends at Strike Zone. There was uh, – we were on a boat and we were catching these yellowfin tuna and this guy was telling me, um, that one of the gentlemen that I was fishing with, that these fish are not even native to that area, that they were a part of like a, a, like a farm. They have this enormous like kind of roped off area where they had left, like, I don't know how they do it. They have, like, a large net or something like that. Yeah. Enormous area. And they would feed these fish, and they were using them for sushi. And they were, you know, capturing them. So they live in the, the ocean. They would feed them little fish and shit like that and plump them up. And then a storm came and fucked up their net. And then they got out into the ocean, and we were catching them. And apparently there was one area where you could catch a lot of them, and that's where we caught them. And I was like, this is really interesting because – could they do this all the time? Like, is this a way to like reintroduce fish into the ocean? And you know, because they behaved like wild fish. It's not like yeah. a, a, any other animal that you raise in captivity and they become domesticated. Fish just have that little robotic go eat kill like switch yeah. in their brain. You don't have to <laughs> teach them how to do it. I mean, it's farming is uh, it's like it's a pretty touchy subject because there's good farming, there's bad farming, you know, right. same thing. Like with, things with animals, yeah, same but thing, right? When you think about fish farming, it's the same thing as cattle. It's just basically the exact same thing. Mm. So there's good way to raise it and it's bad way to raise right. it. And it's, I think it's just about finding that species. Tuna's a bit tough because they're pelagic, so it means that they're migra- migratory fish. Yeah, migratory. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So it's, you know, what they often do, especially with bluefin tuna, like tuna that have very high value, is they're going to catch it in the wild, they're going to put it in pans and go fad them up, mm. making sure like they're nice and chubby and then they can sell it too. How do they catch them in a net? Yeah, normally Prusain is probably one of the, um, it accounts for a lot of, uh, I think over 65% of the tuna catch around the world. It's, it's, it's a great way to catch tuna because it's basically you 
throw a net around a school of tuna. Mm. So there's very little bycatch because you just grab that school and then that's it. Okay, so it, you don't have the, to worry about dolphins. Yeah, so the problem accent. becomes when you use what you call a fad. So a fad is the fishing or grading device. And what it does, it like creates like a little habitat. Normally it's like some stuff hanging and then you have a small fish, then the medium fish and the big fish and the predators around. So what it, a lot of people do is they put those fads in the middle of nowhere, it creates an ecosystem, throw a gigantic, gigantic sorry, net around it, pick up everything. That's when the bycatch gets terrible. Mm. But per se, when you're catching a school without fads, the bycatch is very, very low. So bycatch is what they call a collateral damage. So it's a bunch yes. of fish that you don't want. What do they do with the fish that they don't want? Like what if they do that and they they, they throw a net and they get like like manta rays or something that they're not looking for? It's They, they throw them overboard. Most of the time they, they're dead. Oh. Um, a lot of people try to say like, why don't we just keep the bycatch when it comes to fish? Obviously like nobody wants to eat dolphin apart. Um, other parts of the world. What um, parts of the world eat dolphin? Japan, I think. Do they eat dolphin? I think so. I know they kill them. That Cove documentary is yes. horrible. So you can buy it at the at the store. Really? Yes. I want to see dolphin meat on a shelf. Let me see that. <laughs> that's like to me. That's like people meat. It's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty intense. They're very, is, very smart. Isn't it? That's a thing. Isn't it funny how we categorize animals in terms of their intelligence? Like what, what you're willing to kill. Like elk, are they are very highly tuned into their environment. Like they smell you, they'll run. You know, they see a mountain lion, they run. If there's anything going on, they run. But they're not smart. Like they, if, you, if they're horny like and you have uh, camo on, you could be standing with your back to a tree. And, a, and you catch them on the right day. And if you got a guy who has a cow call, it's like meh. <laughs> they'll look right at you like for real where is she where the fuck is she like they don't if you stand totally still you know they recognize um they they're they're not an animal that sees things like we th see things they rec they have like edge detection so they recognize movement so what they recognize is anything that might be a threat anything movement so when you have camo like uh i'm wearing a sitka shirt so if like Sitka camo, it's like very yeah. broken up. It's excellent camo. So if you're standing dead still, that elk or a deer sees you, it's just like blocks of like images. They don't know what the fuck you are. Are they so, colorblind too? I think so. I think they are. Deer is definitely colorblind. Yeah, I think elk are colorblind too. But my God, their sense of smell is insanity. It'd be like 150 yards away, like, see ya. That's just crazy. Take off. What level of picture do you want to see? Because hmm. interesting, it gets kind of dark in here. Okay, let's see the most sanitized <laughs> version okay. of dolphin. Meat. All right, that's what I let's thought. See the most sanitized. Okay, see what it looks like. Um, zoom in so I can. There, <sighs> so there you go. Oh Jesus! They have dolphin sushi. Okay, oh, wow. that's mahi mahi, buddy. Well, it says that's dolphin, dolphin fish. Oh yeah, dolphin. Yeah, dolphin yeah. In, in Florida is mahi mahi. Yeah, they call it dolphin fish, okay. and that that is mahi mahi. Oh, Thank God. Zoom. Now I feel like <laughs> I was nervous. I was like, I'm gonna eat looking at a person's leg. Well, okay, now that stuff on the left, that's dolphin. Yeah. That's different. Okay, Jesus Christ. Oh. So that's dolphin. And Meat Trade Dolphin Project. So click on that International Killing of Whales and Dolphins below that right there. God damn! So that's so obviously it's so red. Look how bloody it is. Yeah, well, it's a uh, red meat. 
it's a uh, dolphin is a mammal. You know, I mean, that's what we have to recognize when you look at them. You're not looking at a fish. You're looking at a mammal that for whatever fucking weird reason decided to live in the yeah. ocean. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Isn't it weird though? Like all of our instincts are like to pull away from that. There's like, even some packet well, it's, stuff it's, it's, too. It's like funny enough. I've, I've, you know, I've killed deers and, and, and a bunch of fish. And the only thing that I ever killed that felt very, very wrong to me that I felt like really bad inside was an octopus. Cause they're smart. Yes. And yeah. I don't, I don't know. It was just a weird feeling after it. And really? it was, I was just like, I'm not, I don't want to do that again. I don't feel comfortable. Really? And it was very odd. It's, I have no other explanation than emotions. It's not, there's no rational behind it. It's, you can find octopus in most restaurants. But right. Yeah. So it's octopus sushi is super common. Yeah. I had octopus last night, actually. No, I didn't. No, that's not true. I had octopus two nights ago. I don't want to lie. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I if I w- saw them in the wild, I probably would not want to kill them. But if it's convenient, I'll order them. Like veal. Yeah. I don't want to kill a baby cow. Yeah. No. But if somebody serves me veal, I guess I'll eat it. It's like, it's a weird thing. It's like, why is it uh, okay to kill the cow when it's, you know, eight years old and not okay to kill the cow when it's one years old? Like, it's weird. Like, I get it. I don't, <laughs> I, I get it. They're cute. I get it. Cute things are awesome. I like cute things. You know? Like if you saw a lamb, you'd never buy lamb if you yeah. saw what lamb is. <laughs> For sure. Like I, I was with some friends last night and they ordered lamb. Like uh, all, Apparently lamb is easier for some folks to digest. Jordan's wife and his daughter and they all eat lamb. But lamb's a baby sheep. Yeah. Yeah. You ever, you ever seen a blanket octopus? Whoa. Watch this. Oh, that's so cute. What watch is watch that? what happens. What is that? Whoa. Whoa. Oh my God, that's amazing. What? It's fucking cool. I saw it online the other day. That's real? Yeah. Holy shit. They're real rare. When they've done like superhuman and. Can you play that again? Can you just like put it back in? Look at that thing. So cool. Wow. For folks just listening, this thing is it's white. And it has like little tiny tentacles, looks like an octopus, but like little short tentacles. And then it spreads this thing out behind it, and it's like a magic carpet. It's almost like Superman. Like, it's like a cape. Like, that's wild. Yeah. And the, the thing is all colored like a fish, too. Like, you look at the sides of it, it almost looks like a fish. Like, it's camouflaged. God, it's look at ones. that. so beautiful. That's amazing. That's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the ocean. I can't imagine that's real. Wow. Must be really deep, too. Thank you, Jamie. I did not know about that. <laughs> I did not know There's either. There's so much cool shit in the ocean. Like, whenever they do these, like, deep dives in the ocean and they find creatures that they never discovered before, it just makes you wonder, like, what is down there? What the fuck is down there? Have you ever seen a telescope fish? Oh, my God. So. Telescope fish is amazing. It doesn't look real. And it swallows things bigger than it. So its mouth is like unhinged, like rah! Oh, yeah, weird thing with yeah. like other mouths inside of it? No. No? It was oh. on my Instagram. I had it on my Instagram a while back because the first time I saw it, I was like, how the fuck is that real? Is that it? I don't know, man. No, that's not it. Is that even real? Fish with a transparent head. That? Yeah, it's got a transparent head. That's crazy. You can see into its brain. Okay. It look looks at like that. some CGI shit, but that no, it's totally too fake. real. 
That looks totally fake. I think it was a top nine of Look somebody sent me a meme that said when your friends tell you, tell you that there's plenty of fish in the sea and they send like nine the ugliest fish in the ocean and it says that's the fish in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. See if you can find a telescope fish. That's it. That little sucker. So that little sucker, his mouth, it like, it opens up bigger than his whole body. That like the opening. Weird. And then it's, it can swallow things bigger than its body. Like if you saw that in a movie, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. That's not real. Like if you saw that in Avatar and it was swimming around and it was like eight feet long and it was swallowing things that are 10 feet long, you'd be like, what the fuck? It doesn't look real. But that's the ocean. The ocean's amazing. Like, if the ocean existed on another planet, we would be so much more excited about it. For sure. Isn't that weird? But again, it's those species that have been evolving for way longer yeah. than we had. But they are alien. They're, so, they're alien to terrestrial life. Like, if you saw them on another planet, we would be fascinated. But they exist, <laughs> and you could watch them on YouTube, and barely anybody gives a shit. Like, how many videos were that uh, the one the octopus with the cape? Mm-hmm. How many views did it have? I mean, I, like I said, I just heard of it, and you'd never heard of it. So. Right. Let's see how many views it has, though. Blank Maybe we're just idiots. Maybe the rest of the world's well aware, and it's got forty-five <laughs> uh, million the, views. The little tiny one had thirty-one thousand views. That ain't shit. That's nothing. And the one I showed, the other one had maybe three hundred thousand. Mr. Beast gets that within the first three seconds of his uploads. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It's like you should, that should be millions and millions. But if you go to like, you know, some fucking TikTok house party video, <laughs> that's like 100 million views. <laughs> we're, we should be much more fascinated by it, but we're not for whatever reason. It's not something that's compelling to people where they reach out and try to look at as much uh, underwater life as possible. I mean, especially at those depths when it's getting like really dark, that's where the real creepy stuff really live. I think that's like 500 plus meters. How? What depth does that little sucker live in? I think it's something crazy. Yeah, I think my, my diving capability don't go below really like 100 feet. Well, do you do you don't scuba for the most part, No, right? I free dive. You free dive, yeah. so you just hold your breath. Yeah. How long can you hold your breath for? Uh, five minutes forty-five. Whoa! But it's not, I, I don't train for free diving, pure free diving. I like to get in the water and like to grab dinner and then yeah, enjoy yeah. the view. Right. Free diving is a very special sport. Yeah. It's like you go down a line and you go down as steep as you can, and you hold your breath. You have to stay calm and composed, and in your head, and you have to be mentally super strong. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. You you can get into it, but it's I guess I have too much of a attention deficit to do that i'm like ooh, fish <laughs> well you're just you're in it for a different thing you're in it to enjoy the, the the life of being underwater when you're down there do you think like i escaped do you ever think like i like you escaped like because you could have could have been in that corporate world you could have been like right now how old do you know 34 you don't want to tell people yeah <laughs> 34 right now you could have been like working towards you know, like moving up in the company and you'd have to go on those stupid dinners and, and, and deal with all the company politics and instead you're in the ocean. Yes. It's actually the only time and place where I couldn't care less about my phone, about anything. I mean, the president could be calling me. I'll be like, sorry, I'm busy and fishing. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's that's what I like. It's there's on no other place that I can actually feel this free about everything else. Is there a concern that you eat so much fish that you could get mercury poisoning? Not really, because mercury poisoning is really more into bigger species. So yeah. swordfish, by example, shark, uh, some very, very big tuna. So I don't really eat enough of those fish that that would become a problem. Okay, say doze. Do what? Doze fish. Doze fish. Those bigger fish. Those bigger fish. Yeah, like swordfish. Right. I have a friend who got mercury poisoning from, really? from eating too much swordfish. Oh, so did they kill a swordfish and just eat the whole thing and get sick? No, it was, just, it was a guy. It was a chartering guide. So, you oh. know, he just had a lot of, oh, of so fish all the time. Lot. And it's... Oh. It fucks you up pretty badly. Like you can start crying for no reason, and you oh, just don't shit. know why. And it just makes you just, yeah, it's pretty odd. Yeah, I'd heard about a guy who was a. Um, I heard about it on my friend Steve Rinella's podcast, where the guy was a um, a professional fisherman. Like he would go in the lakes and he would yeah. compete in tournaments, and he would eat a lot of fish. And those apparently are the ones that have the most uh, heavy metal toxins. Is a lot of freshwater fish. Freshwater fish. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with that type. I very rarely fish in freshwater. Well, um, I had uh, arsenic levels in my blood that were detected at one point in time. And I went to this doctor, and, you know, I get blood work done regularly. So I get this blood work done. The doctor goes, "Uh, this is concerning. He goes, you have arsenic levels in your blood. And I go, hmm. Well, I was like, oh, shit, is my wife trying to kill me? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know, the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> this bitch trying to slowly poison me. No, and then he said, uh, it's very low levels, though. He goes, uh, do you eat a lot of seafood? I go, I eat a lot of anchovies. He goes, how often? Or not anchovies, excuse me, sardines. Okay. He goes, how often? I go, every day. He goes, how much do you eat? I go, three, four cans. He goes, stop doing that. That's a he lot. Goes, he goes, stop <laughs> doing that. And then... Come back in a few months. I'm a and I'm I'm an obsessive, and one of the things that I'll do is I'll buy like two cases of sardines, and so like if I like a sardine company, I'm like these are good, so I'll just buy like two fucking cases, <laughs> and then I'll come home from like a comedy club at like midnight, and I don't feel like cooking, but I want to like watch a little YouTube or sit in front of the TV, <laughs> so I'll eat like three or four cans of sardines, and I was doing it all the fucking time. And so I was developing an, like an arsenic problem, but it, qu- it cleared up very quickly. I stopped doing it. I stopped eating them, and then I came back to him in three months. And he's like, "There's none. It's all gone." So it was all good. That's crazy, though. Yeah. Well, it lets you know, you know, you, you know, those little fuckers. You know, they have to swim around in our bullshit. That's true. It's what it is. It's our bullshit. It's our toxins and whatever we're dumping into the ocean. I mean, I'll give you a little fucking thing you might not know. Do you know how the Somalis, you know, Somalis are known for being pirates, yeah. right? Do you know why? Um, I think it's because we took pretty much all of their fish close to shore and now they got pissed off and Worse. they decided to become pirates and kill us all or w- actually steal our money. Worse. Worse. Worse than that. They started, Europeans and other countries started dumping their toxic waste off the, the shore of Somalia. And they killed all the fish. And so these Somali fishermen, they called themselves, I think they call themselves the the people's something, god damn it, I forget what they called themselves initially. 
they were like, it was like a militia idea. Like they were going to go and stop these people who were destroying their livelihood. Yeah. I mean, it's a very poor country. Yeah. So they started kidnapping these people that were the captains of these boats that were dumping this toxic waste and they would demand a ransom. And then once they did that, they go, you know what? Fuck fishing. <laughs> they just started kidnapping people. Went more money into this business. <laughs> and then on top of that, they started. They were doing a drug called cat. It's uh, it's a narcotic, like a natural narcotic. And this this cat is like a a leaf that you chew, and it makes your teeth rot out of your head. Like it's fucking disgusting. Like they get black teeth. See if you can find K H A T, uh, cat, uh, teeth. It's because uh, it's like they're chewing this funky leaf and it gives them it's like like a meth face thing they get. You ever see like faces of meth where people like they lose their teeth and they get all their teeth get all cracked out? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it might be just like they're not brushing, but <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot more to it. But this cat stuff they chew. And um, it makes their teeth like fucking black and nasty. So they're cranked out of their mind. And then they got these nasty teeth. Look Ew. at that. That's what it looks like when they chew that stuff. Oh, that's yeah, fucking yeah, that's wild, right? Bad. Yeah. K H A T chewing and dental staining. Yeah. It's weird. That's pretty bad. So these guys would get cranked up on this cat stuff. And then they didn't give a fuck. And then they would go after these. Uh, these boats what is the the effect it is like a stimulant right jamie does it say yeah i believe the effect of cat k-h-a-t um uh, me just take that off of there yeah i think it is uh not i don't know about full meth but probably mm. a lot like coke or something cat and alcohol it's a big and difference between foundation. coke and meth yeah big <laughs> difference right well, coke is what you you do when you have money. That's a good point. Right? Meth is what you do when you're in a truck stop. Alkaloid <laughs> stimulant. Yeah. So it's some it's uh, alkaloid cathinone, a stimulant which is said to cause excitement, loss of appetite, and euphoria. It's meth. It's like a methy thing. So these guys would get whacked out on this stuff, and then they'd go and fucking kidnap boats. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the, I'm captain, the captain now. now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that is. I mean, that's why that dude was so skinny. I mean, obviously, probably didn't have a lot to eat either, but also probably whacked out on that cat stuff. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. So that's what happened. Those fucking assholes from other countries came and dumped all their toxic waste. You know, if they don't know what to do with their toxic waste, like, what are we going to do? I'll just dump it over here. So they were dumping it off the shore where these guys would fish, just destroyed the habitat of the fishing. What do they call themselves? Like the the People's Navy of Somalia or something? So I was digging through an article about it and I didn't find that first. Hmm. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, by other people being assholes, they force these, you know, pleasant, kind fishermen into becoming pirates. And nobody probably talks about it. They don't uh, want to take responsibility. Yeah, probably not. Also, it's like they don't have a, a voice, you know? All, all everybody knows is Somalis are pirates. Like, you hear Somali pirates, you go, I've heard that before. Yeah, for but sure. But if you hear, like, Somalis got fucked over, they used to be fishermen, and people were dumping toxic waste overseas, and it forced them into becoming pirates, you're like, uh, that makes more sense. Like, yeah. how else would they just become pirates? Like, why would they, like, you know, what's that? 
why are they becoming pirates? I mean, it's a bunch of pirates also off the coast of Brazil. Oh, really? So my um, my dad retired and he bought a sailboat and he ran across the Atlantic. Whoa! For like three years, and he he had a couple of friends who went somewhere that they were not really supposed to go, and they got kind of the the boat got taken over by pirates. They got like duct taped and everything, and they stole everything they had in the boat. Whoa! With guns and everything, like a older oh. couple in their sixties. Oh shit! How did they get out? Story. What happened? How they survive? I guess they just stole everything and they they, they left just left. They left them duct yeah. taped. But it's storied about ransoms, about asking the family for money and different things like that. It's it's yeah. The ocean can be a pretty scary place if you don't know where to go. Well, it's kind of lawless. There's a thing about the ocean. It's like when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And then you see a boat. Like, if you're on a boat in the middle of nowhere, and then you see another boat in the middle of nowhere, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right? It's like the woods. Like, things are scary in the woods. Like, if you see a man at the mall, that's not scary. <laughs> but if you're, like, 14, 15 miles into the woods and you see a man, and he looks at you in you're the like, eye, oh, you're shit. like, oh, Jesus, is this guy going to eat me? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, like you, it's when people are separated from everything, we think of the worst possible thing that they could do to yeah. us, whether it's in the ocean or in the, like even a baby in the woods. If you saw a baby in the woods looking at you, you'd be like, ha, it's a fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> you want to run away. <laughs> like everything's scary in the woods. That's true because I did from, um, I actually did from Brazil all the way to the top of the Caribbean with my dad on a sailboat. Really? And it was my dad, one of his friends, and me. Do you guys have a gun? So my, my, my dad didn't answer me when I asked that question. Oh, so he had a gun. I guess that was, the answer was yes. Yeah, he had a gun. But he was, um, and we left, we were like 400 miles away offshore. 400? Yeah. So I had to work two hours shift every four hours for about three weeks. Whoa. And what do you have to do? So because, especially even if you're far away, you know, they have small fishing boats that don't have that don't show on the radar so you kind of have to be in lookout and look every five minutes on both sides of the boat to see if you see lights to make sure you know you don't kill somebody in the middle of the night have you seen the video that just got out recently of these guys that are fishing on this boat they're just sitting there with their rods fishing yes. and this boat is coming straight towards them and they wave and then they realize oh my god this boat's not going to stop and they jump out of the water and into the water did you see that? I did see that, and see I would, that, Jamie. I would, I would, I would like to say that this is an isolated incident, but it's not. What scares me the most in the water? It's boats. Oh yeah. It's not sharks. It's not anything. It's boats because yeah. actually, it, it happened to me once. I was with friends, and the boat was literally on top of us. Here it is. And we this dove is it. down. This is it. Okay, it's a couple years old, just so you know. But oh shit! Boom! That's crazy. Watch this. Fuck. How bad did the uh, boat get fucked yeah, up? I mean, Jesus. That's what you call a Sunday boat driver. Well, oh my God, it just mangled their boat. Wow, that's crazy. That's so insane. Well, my well, friend got a boat of his fin chopped up by a prop. He saw the boat coming and he dove down straight away and the prop chopped both of his fin off. The fins of his, his yeah. swimming fins? Yeah, <gasps> boat fins chopped so up in his legs. It was. It could have been. It could have been a disaster. Could have been his head. Could have been anything. And the funny thing is, he dove down because I was showing something in the bottom. 
Well, uh, I've been on the lake before on a boat, and I've seen oh, a lot of people drinking. That's a weird one. When people are drinking on the lake, and you're like, <laughs> hmm, I don't know if I want to be on this <laughs> lake. You know? Did you ever remember that uh, Trump rally? Oh, that's what you do out there. It is kind of what you do, but... I know so you're supposed to be responsible, but... I, I, got a, I got a boat that goes fast. Yeah. If you're hammered and you want to gun it, you, you're dead. Everyone's going to die. Like, yeah, but also, fast. you're wakeboarding, and then at some point, you let go of the rope, and then you fall down the board, and, and then, then you're you in the middle of the lake. And you have to look out for other people. Yeah, because other people, yeah, that's dangerous. And if drunk Steven or his four girlfriends coming full speed at you, he's not going to mm -hmm. see you. There's accidents like that all the time. It's That's sketchy. It must be. I don't do that shit, though. You know what I like more than anything is jet skiing. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. They're that's so fun. fast. <laughs> the jet skis they have now, they're so fast. I bought this house and it had jet skis, like it came with jet skis, and we bought that jet skis from the people. And then uh, my wife wanted to get better ones, so we got these. I'm like, why wouldn't you? These are fine. And then she got these new jet skis, and they're fucking preposterous. There's the jet skis they make today are so goddamn fast. They're like zero to sixty in a couple of seconds, like a car. That's crazy. Like They make those super cool new like fishing ones too. Yeah, but the good thing so about you have jet like ski, a live bait box oh, really? and like a cooler and, a and yeah, like they all set up so that you can just go out at sea and just go fish off that. Oh, uh, I haven't it's seen pretty that. Pretty cool. So it's like an attachment that you put on the end of your jet ski. I think so. I think that they made like the like fishing jet ski. The thing about the jet ski is like they're so maneuverable. It's so much more maneuverable yeah. than a boat. Like boats are awkward. Like you like you like going vroom, backing up and moving. <laughs> it's like you're subject to the waves. With a jet ski, you're just fucking. You're just doing whatever you want to do. You want to take a left and take a left. It's like a motorcycle that's on the water. So if you fall, it's like no big deal. But you you're going like, I mean, I, don't, I guess it's not really motorcycle speeds, but they're pretty preposterous. Oh my god, that's wild. Pretty cool. So eh? it's a fishing jet ski, intentionally versatile. Ready for any adventure. So it's got a fishing seat. That's crazy. That's smart. And room for a cooler in the back and that everything. That is actually very smart. That's very smart. Fish Pro Sport. Fish, <laughs> let me see it. scroll back up again. So there's different models. I wonder what they, what's different about them. Fish Pro. Let me see them. Oh, that's like an extra seat on the back compared to even the. Yeah, it's got a fishing seat. Compared to these. That's so cool. Yeah, so it's like a boat, like a bass boat. Yeah, it's probably just. Oh, so there. it pops up there. Yeah, go back up to that fo film, that uh, f photo rather. Sorry. Yeah, so that's pretty dope. That is ideal because then you could just and they look. It's got a little cooler in the back, so you could just pull up to a little area, and start casting, and just then zip it. off. Oh, that's great. That's that's amazing. I like it. Right. Sea dudes, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they they make. Dope shit. I think mine's a sea dew. Nope. I well, definitely used to have a sea Oh, you fucked up. <laughs> I think off. that's the, the ad. Yeah. It's like saying, you're going to be silly. <laughs> Jump in the water, you wacky fuck. Yeah, there's a lot of fishing out here in Texas because they grow big bass out here. Oh, really? Yeah, huge. Yeah, like big ass fat boys. I went off the coast mostly. Yeah. Like the oil rigs are pretty cool. Oh, oil rigs are probably cool, right? Because the fish, the little fish are attracted to the oil rigs. Yeah. So the big fish come around to look for the little fish. So structure. Yeah. There's like like one of the most hardcore spearfishing you can also do, which, you know, can also be qualified as a, as a bit dumb. Um, you basically jump off uh, the, the back of a shrimper. 
So of course, a lot of shrimp like getting loose into the water, and then you have thousands of sharks <gasps> circling around. And you have basically you get in the water, you pass the sharks, and tunas are below getting the scraps from the shark. What? It's pretty cool. Have you done that? I've done it once, and I What? didn't feel too comfortable doing it. The <laughs> fuck, girl? Are you crazy? You can find some footage of that for sure. Yeah, find some footage of that. So the shrimp boats are catching the shrimp, and how are the sharks there? Because they smell the shrimp. So basically, yeah, they just they're eating the shrimp off the back of the boat. So because like the nets, they always some like falling off, falling off the boat, oh, falling off the okay. nets and stuff like that. So, so it's, the sharks are eating the scraps, and then they they eat sloppy. So below them, the tunas. So there's tunas and sharks all together, but normally the tuna stays below the sharks. Why don't the sharks just kill the tunas? Can, can they? I don't know. I Do sharks eat too tunas? Busy? Or the tunas shark too fast? Sharks pretty much anything in the water. But so, so, tunas are way faster than sharks, right? Aren't they? I'd say so. I'd so a tuna has to be slipping. Yeah. The shark has to catch a tuna slipping. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But also sharks, are, you know, they're. I like to compare it to dogs a lot. It maybe sounds weird, but it's... They're like an easy meal. That's why when they hear spearfishing bands popping in the water, normally they know what's happening, and sometimes they like to come around because they know a free easy meal is going to probably going to be around soon. You know that's what happens with grizzlies. Oh, really? Grizzlies hear gunshots and they run towards the gunshot because they assume the gunshot means an animal, like a deer or an elk. So We're sometimes, them. and I believe it's Montana. If you shoot a, we'll find that in a moment here. Let's see. They caught some tunas. Yeah, they're right. I'll show you that. No, I put like uh, spearfishing, oh, shrimp oh, boat. Even, okay, go spear. My bad. Oh, what were you saying? Uh, this was just these guys were behind a boat. That's there. blackfin also. Oh, so they're fishing they're like behind this yeah, a, a shrimp boat. Just following boats. Oh, so the oh that's smart. But you have to reel it really fast because right. once the tuna is hooked, the shark is gonna go for it. Oh wow! Yeah. And then you have uh, half a tuna. Yeah, I gotta check the spear. Hold on a second. Um, I think it's in Wyoming where you have to leave the elk. You have to give it up. Really? Yeah, you can't even. You're not even allowed to chase the grizzly off. I'm pretty sure it's Montana, or excuse me, not Montana, Wyoming. Um, let's find that out in a moment. We'll how how do you even down. chase a grizzly up anyway? Good luck, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you not have, trying. Yeah. Well, uh, for sure. Have Wyoming. you seen that crazy documentary about that guy who is... Um, grizzly man. Yeah. Yeah. And he ended up being favorite, eaten with yes, his girlfriend. <laughs> one of my favorite documentaries ever. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's an unintentional comedy. I think it's an on-purpose comedy. I think uh, Werner Herzog is brilliant, and I think he that's different than any of his other movies, where it's so funny that I got to think that he made it funny on purpose. That it has to be. It has to be. Um, Wyoming rules when it comes to a downed animal claimed by a grizzly. Uh, fish and game rules. Because I believe... I, I believe the idea is they're trying to discourage um, grizzly encounters with people. Like they don't want people to try to chase off a grizzly and get killed. So I think, yeah, I think they just have decided. Listen, you shoot at an elk and a grizzly claims it. That's not your elk anymore. I don't. Right. I don't know if that means you get to shoot another one, which would be pretty cool. Or if that's it means point. that's a wrap. Like is, 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 wrap you, is your tag forfeit by then or not? Exactly. Because <laughs> of like if you have a big hunting trip and you shoot an elk 
and like say you're out there for a week and a half, you're in the backcountry, and you know maybe this is like something you've been planning for for years. You budgeted, you put in for a tag, you know you you spent all your money on this. This is a big deal, and you're looking to have like a freezer full of meat for the winter. Boom, you drop this elk from 300 yards. And then by the time you get over there, you see a fucking grizzly coming down the hill towards your elk. You're like, no, (laughs) you son of a bitch. Because that's what happens. They hear a gunshot and in some areas where they're habituated to the sound of gunshots equaling gut piles in particular. Uh, you're talking, yeah, you're talking about gun because I'm like 300 yards. Like, how you, what's your poundage in your bow? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking a gun. Boom. Okay. Guns. Yeah. No. By the way, you friend, um, so Tyler set me up with my bow this week. Tyler from Archer Country? Yeah. Archery Country's the shit. So I'm a little tiny little 35 Austin, Texas, now. I'm like, hee. 35 pounds? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're in archery, if you're in Austin, Texas, and you're looking for archery equipment, you want to get set up, they're a fucking amazing shop. Archery Country. That's where I get all my shit done. They're the, they're, it's so nice having like a real bow shop in town because there wasn't one in, in, yeah. in California. He knows everything. Yeah, it's crazy. He already set awesome. up. I have a bit this big trip coming up. Um, I'm supposed to go to Alaska, I think, oh. next October. What I are you mean, doing in Alaska? I'm supposed to go bow hunting with uh, Donnie Vincent. Oh. Actually. Do you want, didn't you go somewhere other hunting with him? No, so basically that's going to be that trip. COVID oh, so kind of pushed ha- everything oh, up. I and see, it's, I see. It's, I mean, my chances of shooting an elk with my bow, eh, when not that great. When is this supposed to happen? When is this supposed October. to happen? October. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, don't, you, you have time. Okay, so here we are. Yeah, um, what do I do? Um, well, first of all, let me see your guns. Pull, pull the gun, guns up. Okay, we're gonna have to work on that. Because thirty-five <laughs> pounds is not enough. It's just not enough. I mean, Ted Nugent, Shemaine Nugent would probably argue with me. She showed me a zebra she shot with a thirty-five pound ball. Well, I'm I like, could pull okay. out about forty-five. That's like my for now. For now, we gotta yeah, get you on steroids. We're gonna get you on yeah. steroids. And, so no uh, hot yoga anymore, but steroids and stuff. Yeah, steroids <laughs> and and weights. And uh, you're going to wrestle Gordon Ryan every day. We need to get you strong. Like, it's a pulling motion. We need to get your... And then it's also a stability motion for the front arm. So you need, like, shoulder... You know what's really good? Have you ever done, like, clubs, club bells? You ever done those? You know what those are? I don't even know what those are. It's like a... um, It looks like a bowling pin almost, but it's made out of iron. And on it... We sell them at On It. They're awesome. And what it is is a really good exercise for shoulder stability and strength. And what you do is like, I do a bunch of exercises with them, but one of them that I really like for archery is called shield casting. So I'll be, um, okay, it's like, yes, perfect. So if this was, I actually have some out here. I'll show them. So if this was this iron thing, you go around the shoulder like that and then put it in front of you and around like that and put it in front of you. So the whole idea is like you're strengthening all these muscles in your shoulder and then you're also strengthening your ability to hold it out less. And there's a bunch of other exercises I do with them, a bunch of different kinds of exercises I I do them where, so there you go. You see them there. There's uh, that's my boy John Wolf right there, the one with the arms oh, sticking cool. straight out. That's my buddy. He's actually uh, a guy. Kind of mix between a bowling pin and a baseball bat. Yes, very similar. And John is uh, he's just an, an awesome trainer all around, and he's the head trainer over at On It, and he has a bunch of different workout programs that he's devised. On It has a thing called uh, On It Six. It's all these uh, different workouts, bodyweight workouts, kettlebell workouts, all kinds of stuff that you can do at home that they devised during COVID to help people. Uh, You know, if they couldn't get to a gym, you could just buy a couple of pieces of equipment like a steel club, and they'll set you through all of these different uh, exercises and workouts. 
But clubs are really good for bows. I really like it. And so does my friend John Dudley. We'll have to get him to, to help you. That would be great. Yeah, for I mean, I travel so much. It's so hard to get consistency when it comes to training because, you know, you want to always train in the same place. Can you make it out so, to Iowa? So Can you make it to Iowa? I could go anywhere. Okay. I'll say you from up. my laptop. <laughs> John Dudley is like legitimately the best archery coach in the world. Oh, fun. Yeah. He's, my, he's one of my best friends. We'll send you out to him. Yeah. That'd be great. He'll he'll coach you. He'll show you how to do it. He does it all the time. Like this is literally what he does. And he's, uh, you know, he's also um, one of the guys that uh, he's like a top pro at PSE, which is a bow company. So they'll set, they'll set you up. That's the bow I use. But awesome. they're all, what kind of bow do you have? I got a... Hoyt Eclipse. Hoyt. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. Hoyt's awesome. They're all, they're all awesome. Like when you get to like Matthews, Hoyt, PSC, there's like, there's a le- bear makes awesome bows. There's yeah. like, there's a, there's a level of bow when you get to a certain level, a certain level, there's just, they're all really good. I just want to be able to draw it and work on my form and try to like, you know, just become yeah. better at it. That's, that's. You got to get stronger though. Gotta, I do. Those, you got to pump those guns up. I know you're doing jujitsu because I saw on your Instagram when George came to town, and uh, that was fun, right? Like we all went out and had, that was a, a great had night. cheeseburgers. It was really fun. It was really fun. And I was like, oh, these Canadians can all talk to each other in their foreign tongue now. And you and George can speak different. We speak very differently, though. Yes, you, you you guys speak French. But then I saw that you went and trained with um, with uh, Gordon and Gordon's girlfriend, and you were you were yes. at the gym. How was that? It was really good. So I've, I've started my so I do MMA stuff on Tuesday and then grappling on Thursday. Wow. It really came up from the fact that, you know, I'm a girl, I'm traveling by myself. So I just really wanted to have kind of a base of when it comes to self-defense type of stuff. So it's it's funny story. I got knocked out by a 14-year-old during my class, but we can talk about A 14-year-old later. girl knocked you out? Yeah. Whoa. How <laughs> cold? After I fell on the floor. I was standing up and I fell. What she hit you with? So I mean, she she had gloves on. The thing is, it was it was like it was it was like her first or second class or something, and she Whoa. I Sign had headgear on, and she didn't. So I was only allowed to hit her in the body, and, and my coach keep telling her like, like you know, just use maybe like ten fifty percent of your strength. And she keeps hitting me as hard as she could in the face, and I was like, you know, like take it easy, like you know, we're here to have fun. <laughs> Mm. And then it's I was not looking. It just hit me in the side in the temple as hard as she could, and I fell on the ground. My coach looked at me and he was like, "Please don't do this. Please just like just smile and get up." <laughs> I looked at him. I was like, Fine. "Please don't do this." Meaning don't. He be knew. Out he, cold. he he yeah. saw him. He saw my face. He was like, he was like, just be nice. <laughs> Were you angry? I was very angry. Did you talk to the fourteen-year-old? Did she I was, apologize? She didn't. She didn't apologize. No, it's. I mean, she just felt a little bit. I mean, she kind of did, but she was like, eh, "Sorry, but then we kept sparring, and she just kept like you hating kept as hard." After as she could. dropped you, you kept sparring. I mean, a little bit. Like I took it easy after. Like the coach was like, told her like, "Look, like go very freaking easy from now on." And it was. You're not supposed to spar after you get hit like that. What it kind was, of coach it was do like, you have? I mean, it was. It was. Uh, he's nice. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, and that's nice. Listen, when you get hit in the head and you fall down and you're like, like almost out cold, you might have a concussion. That oh, should she just be the did like foot like kicks session. and stuff after, so it wasn't that bad. Oh, it was like in not the to head. my head, not to oh. my head. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's my like, head was off limit. After. You don't know what's going. Like you're still sparring though. You, like you don't know what's going on after you get hit in the head like that. Because I've seen it so many times where guys get dropped and then they want to go back and spar. And you, you got to go, hey, this is over. 
Like, you can't do this anymore. And most of the time, it's an accident. Most of the time, it's like sometimes, like, a guy will do something. Like, you're trying to touch people. You're not trying to hit them hard. Yeah. But sometimes a guy will, like, rush forward right when you're doing something and you just collide and you get hit. It happens. Even, got, like, there's a video that I just saw the other day of Donald Cerrone accidentally knocking this guy out. Clearly accidentally. He did not hit him full blast. He just he just set up a punch and he threw a kick and the kid turned towards the kick and whack. Well, I think also when when you're starting, I think it's you know a bit of instinctual to just try to hit as hard as you can. Yeah. Not like it's you know just want to not prove yourself a little bit, but you know the you know. solution to that though is to do drills first. Like uh, yeah. my friend Dwayne Ludwig, he uh, he teaches at Bang Muay Thai, which is like. Dwayne is, uh, he was a, a world-class kickboxer, awesome MMA fighter. He held the record at one point in time with the fastest knockout in the UFC. But th- what he really excels at, maybe even more than fighting, which he was really awesome at fighting, but he's a fantastic coach. And one of the things he's done is he's broken down his system. All of his martial arts techniques, he's got, like, written in books. He's got it down to, like, I've never seen anybody that more more thorough. And he's in uh, Arvada, Colorado, I believe outside of Denver and uh, what Dwayne does is before you don't just start sparring with Dwayne with Dwayne everybody is working on combinations like you would throw like one two left hook to the body right low kick and then my job would be to block block step check and then we would do it again and you would do it back and forth so you would get accustomed to the idea of hitting each other and then he would make it really clear that you guys are working together you're not trying to hurt each other you're just touching each other so you get used to touching each other just touching and sparring just tap 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 in in these drills and then you move to sparring so you have the same sort of mentality of just touching each other and then that's how you get good that's how you get good and then when it comes to hitting hard you hit the pads or you hit a heavy bag that's when you but it's look when, when I was coming up everybody hit everybody hard no one exercised any restraint. When we sparred, there were wars. It was terrifying. <laughs> it was so bad. So that was the early days of MMA, too. If you go back to like the early days of the UFC, all those fighters would have gym wars. And sometimes they would ruin their careers in the gym because they would get knocked out so often. Everyone Jeez. would get knocked out all the time. But I think that's what's really, really cool about like this sport that is even like anything that's MMA related or, or jujitsu. It's for me it really I got into it thinking it was just about defending myself and just hitting something and getting some pressure release and stuff like that. Then it was it's not at all. It's very cool. I especially from jujitsu, I really enjoyed the whole mental aspect of it, of mm. trying to find what your next move is gonna be yes. and that type of stuff. So it's I'll see. Jujitsu is very intellectually challenging. It is. Hundred percent. There are so many. Like I have a whole thing on my phone that I have saved up of all these different uh, moves that I've uh, seen guys do that I've never do that I've never seen anybody do before. Like I have like a whole folder of these moves where I'll review them. I'm like, how the fuck is he doing that? And I'll have to watch it like three, four times. The way this person's setting up like an omoplata to the back control. And then I'm like, okay, is that real? And then I'll have to send it to, I'll send it to like Eddie Bravo and I'll say, hey, is this legit? And he'll go, that looks pretty legit. And then he'll like try it or he'll go, ah, that's not legit because of this. 
And it's like, there's so many techniques. It's almost like language. Like there's so yeah. many words you can use. There's so many phrases you can say. And there's so many sort of attacks you can have in jujitsu. It's so different than any other martial art in that regard. Because there's like an infinite number of possibilities that the human body can kind of engage in these entanglements with. For sure. And I mean, it was, when I went, joined that class, it was just like, it was professional training. Mm -hmm. And so it was obviously ridiculously you out of Gordon's my league. class? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Was, well, that's the top of the food chain. And she was really, the girl who was training with me was really telling me like, okay, so how do you get out of this? And she's like, there's like thousands of ways, but now we're only going to work about like this one or this one. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. it was, it was, it was nice. It was cool to see really, really good people just training together. And it's, yeah. It's very inspiring, right? I was. It was really nice, and even to see uh, George and Pierre training, and it was, it was. I was like, oh, it's so nice to see you training <laughs> in Austin, Texas." <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like you doing uh, a mocking and French accent is hilarious. That is hilarious. He's down here. There you guys are, John Donner. That guy's the master. That guy in the middle. That might be the He's best so jujitsu coach on the planet Earth. He's a fucking genius. You know his whole story? I do not. He was a philosophy professor at Columbia. Really? It's a PhD in philosophy. That's great. Got obsessed with jiu-jitsu. Quit everything. It was living at Henzo Gracie's Academy in New York City. It was sleeping on the mats. Like literally would teach all day and take a nap in between classes. You'd see John Donaher in the corner over there taking a nap. Then he'd get up and teach. Teach privates, teach classes. And it's like, without a doubt, if not the most respected, one of the, I think he's the most respected jujitsu coach in the world. So having him move to Austin is gigantic for all of us. Like everybody's very, very excited about that. Oh, so he moved here recently? Yeah, I talked him into it. Oh, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my move. Talk people into moving to Austin. It was great. It was such a humbling experience just to see those great yeah. people just training together. I was trying to can you imagine any other Soaking sport? in as much as I could. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you can go to a place and watch Michael Jordan train basketball. Yeah, it would be crazy. <laughs> right? Well, that's what George St. Pierre is like. I mean, George St. Pierre is one of the greatest of all time. You never know that talking to him, though. He's so humble. He is. He's a really, really nice guy. He's so nice. He's very loved in Quebec. He's very, oh, very, very loved. Of course. In Quebec. Of course. You know, uh, I was in... Um, the UFC in the Rogers Center. I don't even know what they called the Rogers Center then. I forget what it was called, but it was 60,000 people. Bell Center then. Was it the Bell Center? Probably. I think George fought, I think he fought Josh Koscheck. I forget who he fought, but it was bananas. <laughs> when you see 60,000 people, when George walked to the octagon, the, the roar that they got when they introduced George's name, it was fucking crazy. I mean, like to this day, like I took my earphones off and I looked around, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Sometimes I do that. Like I'll take my, my earphones off. Like when someone's getting it, like cheering, like this weekend I did it for Brandon Moreno because Brandon Moreno's from Mexico, from Tijuana. And uh, we were in Southern California. So it's like a couple hour drive and they all came up to see him. So the weigh-ins on Friday were just filled with Mexican flags. And then Saturday night, Brandon goes out to the octagon, and when when he walks into that octagon, the the roar was so loud. Like I I don't hear it perfect with my headphones on, because the headphones is just p to pick up voices. So I hear a little bit of it ambient, yeah. but I don't. So I had to take it off. So I took my headphones off. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> it was just yeah. 
me. It's yes. Is that George? Yeah. It's, okay, that's two thousand eight. Oh. Oh no, that's a different one. That's in Montreal. Um, the uh, so Rogers Center. Earlier, no, no, Rogers Center was in Toronto. But it uh, must be a crazy feeling. Is it something that you get also when you get on stage? Like, you know, I, I went to see you in Tampa in that gigantic arena. Arena, yeah. and it's it's. <sighs> it, it must be just insane to be cheered on by that many people. Yeah, I try to black it out. <laughs> 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 I try to block it out. It's too weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the revenge fight. That was when George got his revenge against Matt Serra because uh, Matt Serra had knocked him out in probably the greatest upset of all time, at that moment at least. Up until Juliana Pena just knocked out Amanda Nunes or strangled Amanda Nunes, I think that this was the biggest upset of all time, the first fight between them. So this was George getting his revenge in Montreal, and he just took... Matt Serra very lightly for the first fight. Didn't train hard enough. Thought he was just going to kick his ass. And then uh, Matt Serra clipped him and hurt him and wound up stopping him. So, but this is the thing about UFC that I didn't know. Like, I've, I've, I've never watched UFC in my entire life. And I started kind of watching it a little bit recently. And I, what I got into was the fact that there's always a weird story behind. There's always like rivalry and like sure. things happening and stories. Sure. And it's way more dramatic than I thought yeah. it would be. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of drama, you know, like <laughs> when guys are beating the shit out of each other, there's a lot of drama. You that know? now that makes sense. Also, the UFC is really good at like sort of marketing this story behind these fighters and like what makes it exciting, what their motivation is and, you know, that kind it's of shit. Cr I mean, every time I watch it, I cannot stop myself being like, I should train and try this shit. Really? You want to fight? I mean, I, I, I don't want to get, now. I don't want to get my, like, I, is it realistic? Probably not. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know why I get this fired up every time I watch it. I'm like, but every time I see something cool and new, I'm like, I want to try this. I want to be as best as I can at it. Well, <laughs> one thing you could do for sure is jujitsu. I would recommend you doing that before I would recommend you fighting in MMA. Mm -hmm. You don't want to mess your face up too. Yeah. No, probably not. You got a very nice face. Thank I would think, I would think what you should do is uh, do a jujitsu tournament. You know, like I ramp would love or that. Yeah, that's what you should do. Like, because that's a, like uh, Bourdain did that. Anthony Bourdain did he? Yeah, he. Um, <sighs> yeah, that guy makes me sad. Um, he uh, he fought in a jujitsu tournament when he was like, uh, I think he was like fifty nine, fifty eight or fifty nine. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he got he got so into it that he wanted to um, compete, and he won. Yeah, he competed and won. That's crazy. Yeah, and he, you know, I don't even think he started jujitsu until he was like fifty-eight. It's like somewhere in that range. So I was like, well, "This is crazy." And watching him go from being like this party guy who just drank all the time to being a guy who is like not eating carbs anymore. He got lean and ripped. That's him competing. So crazy. Isn't that a girl also? Like she was, she became like a black belt recently. She was pretty old. Yes, her name is Betty. Um, she's on my. I put her on my Instagram page because it was so crazy to see. I met her at one of the uh, Who's Number One events. Look at Anthony Bourdain. <sighs> Shut this off. I'm gonna get sad. That's his ex-wife. <sighs> that that one makes me sad. That's a rough one. He was such a good guy. Yeah, but uh, point is, 
Um, he got really into jiu-jitsu later in life, and one of the things that he decided he wanted to do is he wanted to work his way up to training and then competing in a tournament. So he was uh, training, like, basically every day. He, was, uh, he would do two training sessions a day. He would have a private class for over an hour, and then he would do the group class and spar with people every fucking day. So he got good really quick. He got his blue belt in like a year, year and a half or so. Oh, wow. Like that. Yeah. But he was fucking obsessed. Like, I remember he sent me a, me <laughs> he sent me a message because uh, he was in some like Eastern Bloc European country and uh, he trained with this Carlson Gracie school. And Carlson Gracie, their team was always known as like, like top game pressure, smash passing, like really brutal old school power jujitsu. And he's like, I'm shitting out bone chips. You know, like, <laughs> Cause he was just getting smushed by these fucking animals. You know, it's like super tough guys that were just crushing him. I mean, he's, he's a very inspiring person in general. And yeah, he was. every time I'm like, okay, I'm 34. You got plenty of time. I know much. Like I've changed my life recently. There she is. This is this lady Betty. And I'm like, so she didn't Bourdain start did this very jujitsu. late. <laughs> she didn't start jujitsu until she was fifty-four. Fifty-four. That's so right. Yeah, fifty-four, and then she just recently re achieved her black belt, which is wild. How old is she now? Eleven years, yeah, so she's, she's like 65, or 65 years old, and she got her black About belt. I mean, think of how many people at sixty-five are just done with everything, or even even fifty-four. You know, they're just not interested in challenges. They're getting tired, and this lady just had the fortitude and the courage to try something completely brand new. Not just brand new, but very intimate. It's like people are trying to strangle you and. You know, women are grabbing your leg yeah. and bringing it over your head. Like, what the fuck? And you're old. You're old. And, you know, she probably has kids and shit. And she's like, Jesus Christ, what am I doing with myself? And then 11 years later, she's a black belt. That's, That's so amazing. Awesome. That's amazing. It's, it's fascinating. I think that it's, it's, it's to, to keep trying new things and pushing yourself yes. is such a great way to stay alive. It's, yes. It can be anything. Well, I think it's, uh, look, we're all going to die. There's no way around yeah. it. But I think while you're alive, the way to make life interesting is to challenge yourself. And I don't mean challenge. You don't have to challenge yourself in some crazy way like you're going to fucking climb Mount Everest in your underwear. You don't have to try <laughs> to die. But w but do things that are stimulating and interesting. And for this lady, it was jujitsu. And, you know, for you, it's like you decided at one point in time you didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. You're going to just figure out how to make a living off of spearfishing, which is such a crazy proposition. If you were my daughter, I'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I would think all the money I fucking spent for college. This bitch wants to jump in the water and stab fish with a pointy stick. But that's for people, you know, that want to, like, enrich their lives. Like, how do you want to enrich your life? This is a great way to enrich your life. Go do something new. Do something challenging. And it doesn't have to be physically challenging it could be learn to play guitar it could be learn to paint you know anything do, do something cool take a yoga class you never taken yoga go take a yoga class but do stuff that you haven't done before that's like so good for your head it really is like for me when i started uh archery and i started bow hunting it was so good for my head i remember thinking like today i shot before uh, i came here i spent a half an hour just practicing i, I practiced 
constantly, consistently. If you don't, you don't. You're just not accurate. And when I was shooting, I wasn't thinking about jack shit. When I'm at full draw and I'm just thinking of, of that target, just whack, and watch that arrow sink right into that bullseye. It's so satisfying. And you're not thinking about anything else. You're just thinking about your form. <laughs> Is your elbow high enough? Am I pulling with my back muscles? Is my stance correct? Am I torquing my wrist? There's all these little things. But while you're thinking of all those little things, it's like a mental re- release. Yeah. It's like um, uh, it's like a moving meditation. It's like you're not thinking about anything else. Like all your troubles go away. You know, and that could be anything. It doesn't have to be archery. It could be. There's a lot of things you could learn. You could be surfing. You know, it could be it just do stuff, do new stuff. Don't get stagnant. You know, when people get bored, I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Oh, I'm fucking bored. Dude, how are you bored? I, I wish I had 10 lives. If I had 10 lives that I could run simultaneously, I'd have 10 different careers. I would like to do 10 different things. <laughs> I really would. I really would. I, if I could have the, enough time, I would just fucking in, in, immerse myself in different things. Yeah, I think that I, I, it's also you, you're discovering new aspect of, of your personality. Yes. It's like, do you ever thought that, you know, born and raised in time Montreal that I had a hunting instinct? Right. I'm I'm the shape of a stick and I was scared of my own shadow growing <laughs> up. Like, it's... <laughs> what was the first animal you hunted? Uh, does it leeches? I salted them when I was four count. Leeches? Yeah. <laughs> no, those are the hunting. You salted them? Is that what you're saying? How do you salt a leech? Like when it gets on you? So you get it out in the water and you put salt on it and then oh. it kind of slowly, yeah, maybe it was a psycho. That's torture. <laughs> you're a psycho. <laughs> That's not hunting. <laughs> what, what was the first like hunting hunting with like a gun? So that was in New Caledonia. Uh, so that's close to Fiji, and that was, I'd say, about five years ago. Oh, what did you, uh, close to Fiji? Yeah. What did you hunt? Uh, deer. Oh, it was okay. a very cool day because we went, um, we went spearfishing in the morning for wahoos, and we went hunting for in the afternoon. Oh, so surf it was and so turf. awesome. Surf and turf day. <laughs> wow. And I just remember, is I I was bawling like. When you shot the deer, yes, and I, I, I don't cry. I very rarely cry, oh. and it's, it's. I've, I've, I just, just to see the, I could see the deer tumbling down the hill, and I was like, this is. I, I just, I just, I just can't take it. And then, when I walked all the way to the deer and I saw it on the ground, I just remember putting my hand on it, and I stopped crying at that point. And it's, it's, it's kind of the, the, the emotion shifted. Mm. And I just like carry it back to camp, and then it was it. It shifted to to the me processing aspect of it, and it's. I've never cried after that, hunting. Mm. That was the first one, huh? And, and it's, that was the only one you ever cried at. Yeah. I always have a feeling of loss when I when I walk up on an animal. There's always a feeling of loss. But uh, I, I don't cry. But remember the first one. The first one I ever shot is on camera. Because the first animal I ever shot was on Meat Eater. I shot a, a mule deer. And uh, I shot it at like, I think it was 200 yards and dropped it with a rifle. And then I had to finish it off. We walked up to it and it was still alive. Ugh. Yeah, so then I had to shoot it again. And so when I shot it again, there's a video of me taking it in. It's a video of me just like going, like, <sighs> it was heavy. It's heavy. It's yeah, it's tough. Cause it's like, 
that's a living creature. And it's also, it's oddly, I, I hate to use this word, but it's, I don't have another word, psychedelic. It's oddly psychedelic because the moment where I was, um, I locked eyes with that deer and uh, I saw it in its natural habitat and it was like at a hundred yards when we first spotted it. And then it went around this, this rock formation and came out and then it was at like 200 yards. But it was this w- big wild animal that was in its world. And it was probably like four or five years old. So it had been living in this area for its whole life and moving around and avoiding mountain lions and getting around and, and it just, it probably didn't even know what the fuck I was. Like, I don't, I don't even know if it had ever seen a person. I mean, this is Montana. It's a vast wilderness. I mean, maybe it's seen yeah. a person before, maybe, but it might not have. And so when I like lined up to take that shot, it's the first time you do anything is weird, right? But the first time you take an animal's life is really weird. Yeah, it's pretty tough. And I remember being like real nervous. Like my, f- I wasn't like holding steady and I had a, I had to take a deep breath and then I had to like get back down and then boom, then I dropped him. And then I, that was, that was a bit of a relief. But then when I went up to it and it was still alive, I was like, oh fuck. And then I had to put it away. And then when I put it away, there was this weird feeling of loss. There's a weird feeling of, it's just heavy. It's just heavy. And then also it's like, uh, I want the, I knew I have responsibilities. Like, what do I have to do? Like, what do I do now? Like, how do I do? And then we, you know, took it, we took the organs out of it. We were pretty deep in, in, into the away from camp. So what we decided to do was hang the uh, deer up. Cause it was almost dark, hang the deer up on a tree take the organs we're going to cook the heart and the liver for dinner and so as we're cooking over this fire i was thinking to myself like i'm going to do this for the rest of my life i'm like this is i'm eating this thing now it's so delicious and then later we're cooking the meat the next day we had a a bonfire and i was with brian callan and he shot a deer too so we're cooking deer meat over this fire and it was the most like primal satisfying thing because you think of like like I love cooking like a nice ribeye steak over a fire it's nice it's like your barbecue it's part of like there's some weird caveman DNA that gets excited when you barbecue but when you're barbecuing over a fire from some logs that you found when you're in the woods there's no one around you for miles it's nine degrees outside and you're 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 laying down these back straps over this little tiny grill that we brought with us that sits over the fire and you're eating this meat from an animal that you just shot and then you're all sitting around eating it. it's like it's the most prime it's there's like a door that opens up like hey you didn't know about this room yeah. in your brain like come on into the caveman room and it's like <laughs> you're it's not only caveman like mean like no not at all it's like it's wow it's so stimulating and exciting and i was like well this is definitely the best way to get meat like any other kind of meat that you would get from a grocery store as delicious it is as it is it doesn't come with this element it's not a wild animal that you don't ever have to worry about being mistreated or you know factory farming. There's none of that. This is wild. It's but just also, like, wild. it's just what's what are the possible deaths of a wild animal? 
Yeah. A gunshot to the head is probably the kindest one. It's the best one. A gunshot is the best one, or an arrow is the best one. It's because otherwise they just get torn apart by predators or they eating alive yeah. parasites. Let's get. I mean, it's. I, I have a very similar experience, and I was actually in, in South Texas, and it's my. It was very odd because it was it was my friend. Um, my friend Chassie lives in Austin, and he took me with his kids hunting. Oh. So I met with just kids, like you know, mushering and me, and they're like helping me up, like setting up and everything. And it's this. I shot a deer. I shot too quickly, and it was my fault. And I've been, you know, and I, I did a gut shot, which was pretty bad. So of course, the deer was not dead. And so his his his, so his son Callan is is handing his dad to the pistol. I'm like, no, like I, I want to do it. Like I'm the one who did the bad shot, so I should be the one. Finish finishing this like do you yeah. want to do this absolutely fucking not right it's I've, I've i've never done anything like that before my my stomach is in my throat at this point like i'm not feeling well at all and it's it's like you know what I, i'm gonna do this because next time i'm pulling a trigger i'm gonna make sure that i'm careful and that i'm slow and that i'm taking my time yeah. and so you know like i've I just I, I remember so vividly just putting the gun on 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 on, on on the end of the deer and finishing it, then I was I was I was shaking and I was just not. And when it was over, I just closed my eyes and was like, "Okay, that's done." And then we got back to camp, and then you're like, "Oh, like this guy is gonna take care of processing." I was like, "No, not even a little bit." It's so his 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 dad Alan came and we together we just we cut the deer, showed me how to process everything, and it was it was it was. And even then, I went to bed that night and I was not feeling that great. I was like, this. We still haven't eaten it, and then the following day, so we processed the whole thing. It's like I, I went with a butcher. I cut everything, you know, made like ground beef and like ground. Um, I got a nail guy. Uh, we did sausages with a bunch of stuff, and then the second that it became pure meat, and then it looked like meat, and then I, I kind of hated that night. For me, the circle was closed, and this is when the guilt went away. Mm. So it took like a few days, but it's like the whole process of doing everything. And I would never go hunting without doing the whole the whole thing. The whole thing. It's yeah. I just I have to. Otherwise, I I, I, I would finding hard trying out at night. But also, like you said, it's I don't buy me in the grocery store anymore. I just I just don't. Well, it's without a doubt it's the healthiest meat you could ever get. It is hundred percent. Doesn't it feel different when you eat it? For sure, and it's even I I cook burgers for for the kids this week, and I did beef burgers, and I did nail guy burgers, and the the beef burger pan it was full of grease and a bunch of stuff that came out of the burgers, and the nail guy pan was nice, beautiful, syrup patty, nothing was around it. Yeah, well, it's very lean. It's very, it's lean very animal, lean. but it's also so rich in protein. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I've had nail guy at there's a restaurant in town called Dai Due, and they serve nail guy. Nilgai is a rare game animal in that it's an invasive species to Texas, so you can sell it in restaurants. Oh, really? Yeah, that's good. So you can buy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you could buy a bunch of things here. They, they sell like types of different types of antelope and nilgai and different stuff. That's uh, it's whatever is not native, you know, exotic. They call them exotics. So okay. nilgai, I think, is from, I think, is from India. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wild-looking creature. Such an interesting animal. That's a, well, I have nail guy jerky if you want to. All right, nice. Thank you. Well, I have, um, I got some elk jerky for you. We'll trade. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Um, I have never uh, eaten like a nail guy steak, though. I've only had, um, a Thai Dui, I had a nail guy um, ceviche, 
who makes it like a raw oh, meal I've guy. Oh, I've heard it's amazing. It's really good. Well, J- Jesse Griffiths, he's the uh, head chef and the owner of Dai Due, which okay. is this amazing restaurant in Austin. And he's a great guy. He's been on my podcast, too. He's a really interesting guy. I think I'm going Thursday. Oh, to Zaidue? I think so, yeah. yeah. you'll love it. It's great. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I'm excited. If he has the fish and chips, it's fantastic. They use uh, redfish, like Texas redfish. And it's just- Oh, awesome. They, you know, fish and chips is one of those things where it's so simple. It's just batter fried fish and, and french fries. But if you fucking nail it, Oh, you know, <laughs> and he, he nails everything. So when you have a guy who's a really great chef who is also uh, knows how to hunt and process his own game. And it's like there's a there's an attention to detail and a, a, like a, a like a respect and a love that he puts into those meals. Yeah, because it's like he's responsible for the actual. And there it is. That's what that fish and chips, baby. <laughs> that's Daidue. Oh my God. That's I'm telling. You. Is that recent? January fifth. Yeah. Oh my God. I might have to go down there as soon as my fucking diet's over. I can have some batter. I just it's. I mean it's it's the best way of living. And then sadly it's like I don't I don't post anything that's hunting related. Very rarely. Because if you do, they'll come for you. It's 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 so bad. <laughs> I get. I mean it's social media is such a it's, it's, it's a shit show. It is a shit show. It's a shit show. <laughs> it, it it has some good aspects of it actually. Yeah. It, it's I was it was a few years ago I did like an open invite on my Instagram and I had a bunch of people. I invited strangers off Instagram to come have a barbecue at my house. What? And there's about fifty people that showed up. I don't know Why how I convinced you? my roommate of, of I just, just to accept this. Do but you want some more ice? Why would think? you let people know where you live? Um, I mean, I'm, 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 don't do that again. It's Florida. <laughs> um, it's Florida. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> it was. It was. I, my very weirdly, my my roommate Austin was very open about this, and he he, he said yes. And honestly, I made friends at that night. That was. It was one of the best nights of my life. Really. It was just a girl who drove nine hours to come to the barbecue. Oh, that bitch is crazy. I wouldn't let her in. <laughs> I'll tell that girl she's got to stay you. home. And everybody just got like their special Cheers. spice mix and special this and special that. It uh. was, it was, that's a cool thing about social media. There's a shit part of it though. There's a very shit part of it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of crazy people, but it seems like you've cultivated a nice little group of people, but still don't do that again. Don't invite <laughs> yeah, my parents were not too happy. Random wackos over for a barbecue. <laughs> it's the crazy thing is like sometimes it'll work out. You know, like sometimes you just meet random people and you have the best time of your life. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it's fun. It's most people are cool. Most people are fun. It's just most people are fun most of the time too. True, but, but I'm, I'm I'm more worried about younger girls. You know, like people like of your daughter's generation, by example. It's how it's already so hard being a teenager. And 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 this world that if you add social media to it, it's yeah. just it's it's. It's bad. Well, what's gone up a lot is self-harm and suicide. They've gone up dramatically. I, di- can, I, I, I can understand why because yeah. I've, I had no friends in school. I was, I was bullied to a point that was bad, like bad, bad. Like I've, I've just cool had to make me go in through the janitor's entrance because I was spit on and threw rocks at. Why? Why did they bully you for three years in a row? Why? Um, I don't know. I managed to pick up, like, piss off 
popular guy, girl in school because a guy invited me to go to a movie and it's just like became a shit show from 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 them on and it's I've I've if social media were added to that situation I I don't think I would have made it I just, I just don't it's it's when you reach an age when like, you don't know who you are you don't know what to do you don't know like what person you want to become and then it's it's you, when you add bullying into this it's very hard not to feel fragile by it and it's it's I I really want trying to find a way to to help younger girls in that generation to try to to feel better by themselves. Well, but we have to explain to people what bullying someone online is like. That it's the thing is like bullying in real life is horrible. But at least you can go home. At least yeah. you have a break. Yeah. These kids don't even have a break because no. then they go on their phone. They're bullied online. They're bullied all day long. And for some people, it's just like it's too much. And suicide is way up with girls. Suicide is way up. Self-harm is way up. And uh, there's a guy named Jonathan Haidt, and he wrote a book called uh, The Coddling of the American Mind, and it's all about that. It's all about the impact of social media. And the ones who take it the worst are young girls. It's the worst. Social media is the worst for them for whatever reason. For sure. It's even about images. It's It's, you know, it's... As a teenager, I was, you know, seeing hot models in a magazine and then, you know, whatever, you feel a certain way about yourself because you don't look like that. But now it's it's influencers and it's people using filters and creating yeah. this, this fake kind of image that people are supposed to, to look like. And it's yeah. it's just it's just added an extra level, I think, of, of hardness for for young girls um that are just trying to, to you know, to get by and reach adult life. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm happy I went through it because now I'm, I'm a million times stronger human being than I ever could be without that. But it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Even to this day, when somebody sends me an insult on, on, on social media, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't read it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely shouldn't read it. <laughs> Definitely read, shouldn't read it. Do you read comments on social media? Sometimes. Yeah. It depends, but it's like. It kind of made me develop this defense mechanisms, and I'm like, "Well, your mommy didn't love you enough, clearly, because if you're losing your entire day insulting people online, it's because like, it's it's kind of trying to realize that if 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 you're being negative on social media, it's because your life is not like you're miserable. Yeah, nobody's happy and be like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go insult that bitch online today because yeah. my shit is so much together. But it's also it's like people do it because it's a it's a game. <clears throat> it's it is like, a game. They do it to hurt someone's feelings because it's, uh, for whatever reason, it's fun. That's what it is. It's like, it's not just like they're they're miserable. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of them are miserable, but that's not all it is. A lot of them are just having fun being assholes. And it, it doesn't, they don't, f see, the thing about social media is if you're being cruel to someone in real life, you see their face. You feel yeah. what it's like. It's like, you have to be a real, so real sociopath to be mean to someone in real life and not feel anything yeah but online they don't feel shit because you're not even there so they'll say horrible things about you this fucking bitch i hope she gets killed by a tuna you know and then <laughs> and you're like what the fuck did i do to you <laughs> yeah it's yeah the internet is definitely a funny place but also i think people need to remember that you know everybody has their shit going on in their life and you know everybody have crap happening and it's like yep. just always remember that it's that's true but Everybody again, it's, crap happening. the more followers you have means 
you're giving the right to that amount of people to have an opinion on you and in your life and what you yeah, do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you shouldn't be reading that. The thing is, like, how many followers do you have now on Instagram? Uh, I don't know, like the 280, 280,000, I think, something like that. Okay. I want you to think about that. Think about how many fucking people that is, how crazy that is. Think about, like, when you, what you saw me in Tampa. That was uh, 14,000 people. I never thought about it like that. <laughs> now, think of an extra 260,000 plus, and those are all the people commenting on you. How many of them are going to be idiots? A lot. Like, imagine you go to a crowd, right? You've been to a couple comedy shows, right? You go to a comedy show, there's always like, uh, uh, one is heckling. That's people in your comments. <laughs> so you're reading that person's comment. And so if you go to a comedy show like at Vulcan in Austin, it's like 270 people. And we'll still have one or two idiots. But if you go to that place in Tampa, my God, how many idiots were there? They're probably like a thousand idiots. You know, you have fourteen thousand people, the chances of there being a thousand idiots are strong. At least four hundred idiots. That's a very good point. Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> so like now think of two hundred and eighty thousand followers and how many of them are just uh, broken dummies that are just it's fucking bitch, fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're just dorks. That's how you have to look at it. And if you let those people affect you, it's like it's not good for anybody. Not good for them. Not good for you. It's for sure. It's, I mean, the best advice somebody ever gave me is they told me, you could be the sweetest, most amazing tasting peach in the world. Nobody's going to like fucking peaches. <laughs> yeah. Some people don't like peaches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's how life is. It's That's one of the cool things about people, honestly. Not that they hate you, but there's one of the cool things is the variety of tastes. Like, I don't get jazz. I don't get it. But, like, my friend Lonzo loves it. He goes on jazz cruises. <laughs> he does stand up on jazz cruises. And he fucking loves jazz. He loves it. Like, he'll talk about jazz. He's into, like, he'll tell you different kinds of jazz he's into. I mean, I don't mind if it's in the background, if I go to a bar and jazz is playing, that's cool. <laughs> but, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to choose to listen to music, that's not what I choose to listen But, obviously... There's a percentage of our population that likes it. Yeah. I think it's about just, you know, you don't, you don't like jazz. You just don't listen to it. Yeah. But that's the cool thing is that humans vary so much that something that is completely uninteresting to you, like opera, completely uninteresting. Yeah. To someone else, it's everything. It, it is life. It. It's life. They cannot wait for the next opera. They cannot wait to hear someone. <laughs> they can't wait. They can't wait for a symphony. They can't wait for a play. They can't wait to go to a museum and see modern art, which I find at least 34% repulsive. <laughs> the, you know what I mean? It's like that's one of the cool things about people is how much we vary in what we like. Oh, I know all about that. I mean, yeah. it's like I've... I fit in zero freaking boxes in life, so it's... Neither do it's, I. Yeah. Well, it's like, I get this all the time with my podcast, because people get mad at this podcast. Yeah. I'm like, hey, don't listen. Yeah. I don't want you to listen. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want you to be upset. Like, that shows, like, someone wrote some article, apparently, uh, saying, with just, they always say toxic masculinity. Guess what? This is what guys like to hear. 
This is what guys like to say. We like to talk shit. Okay, you don't have to listen. I get it. It's not for you. I get it. Well, don't listen. It's that simple. To focus on what you don't like versus focusing on what you do like, that's you. Yeah. That's on you. <laughs> if you're there writing articles about what you don't like and focusing on what you don't like, that's your problem. It's your problem. It's not the problem of the person who you don't like, because obviously people like me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Somebody likes the show. So if they didn't like it, no one would listen and all the problems would go away. But you know the surefire way to have more people like it? Keep talking shit about it, you fucking idiots. Because the more you talk shit about it, the more people are going to know about it. And they're going to go, well, he's getting people really riled up. Let me see what the fuss is all about. And then they listen and they go, hey, he's not like that at all. Like, this is not like that at all. It's just like people want to have something to say about things. So sometimes they'll create a narrative. So they'll look at you and they're like, this dumb bitch out there <laughs> fishing and killing all the fish. I hope a fucking fish eats her. You know, like, but why are they, why are they doing big. that? <laughs> That'd be a big fish, right? <laughs> What's the biggest fish you've ever speared? Uh, a mile in, it was about 400 pounds. Holy shit. Was it attached to a rope? Yeah, it was like... So you're holding on to them? Like an elastic. Um, the spear is attached to um, a bungee, which is attached to a buoy. So the buoy, when a fish takes off, the buoy takes off. So you knew you were going for marlin at the time? Or? No, not at all. Wow. I was going for tuna, actually. <laughs> 400 pounds. It was, uh, I was very scared that he would spear me back, which, you know, would have been kind of fair enough. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, is that possible? Would he attack you? That's him? Um, Holy shit. No, no. I was just guessing. I don't know that that's it officially. Yeah, that's that it, it? Yeah. You would know. <laughs> Holy fuck. That's a black marlin. That, I got that thing is huge. Baja. What did that taste like? I've never had marlin. It's, it's really good. Yeah? It's kind of similar to swordfish. Yeah? It's awesome meat. Wow. Look at the size of that fucker. Because most of the time they don't eat them. Why is that? Um, they can have high level of mercury, so you just like just don't heat old thing, I guess. Oh, okay. But it's it's yeah, it's amazing tasting. It's, really? I gave away um, a big part of it in Mexico when I was, and I took back home about fifty pounds with me. Do you smoke it? Like, how do you cook it? I only kept just a, not too too much. I, mean, I probably kept like ten pounds of it, not even. So you brought fifty pounds home. So you just give away the other forty? Yeah, I actually put on my Instagram that I was a. Uh, Giving away Marlin at the grocery store corner of that street and that street, and I just gave away all of it. And people just showed up? Yeah. Really? Oh, I like meeting cool. people. <laughs> wow, that's really nice. That's that's very cool of you. Wow. <laughs> it was fun. Nobody killed me yet, so let's see. <laughs> Jesus, don't put that out there. So when you shot this Marlin, how long before you could actually get it in the boat. Like, how much time does it take after you shoot a marlin? It took me about two hours. So the fish basically just, like, took off, and it was... As soon as I shot it, so basically I jumped... Like, I was in the water, and I saw this marlin, like, coming from the deep. And, of course, I, when I tried going towards it, it was swimming away. So I, I, I kind of just, like, turned around and looking from the corner of my eye, and he, he just turned away because I was like, what's that thing? You're not even looking at me. And he, he turned around and gave me like a complete like broadside broad shot. shot. So how far away? Pretty close, probably from me, to Jamie. So I said that's really I don't know what's that in, in fifteen feet, feet or whatever you guys are yeah. using. What, like about what four are we meters using? in America? Land of the free, home of the brave. <laughs> it's called feet, not meters. 
four <laughs> meters. The fuck's it? <laughs> and um, so I was like, okay, my gun was pretty small, so I thought I can either shoot in the gills, but then I would risk to just not go all the way through it. And you really want the spear to go all the way through it. Yeah. So I shot it mid-body, and the spear went through it, and I went back to the surface, grab onto the buoy. One buoy is not a lot for a fish that's that big. And you just hung onto the buoy? So went for I just, a ride? I like, Bear hugged the buoy, and I was yelling at the boat, bring me another buoy to have a big fish on. <laughs> wow. And the boat comes, like, super quickly. And basically, it was another guy in the water, so, like, have to take the, like, take the other people out of the water, making sure everything is clear. Meanwhile, I'm, like, hanging onto the buoy. The boat comes in, throws me another buoy. I'm clipping. The fish is, like, swimming. Like, it's my snorkel. It's, like, with the wind and the water. That thing is going. And then I had the second buoy in. I'm like, okay, this is more pressure. So now the fish is dragging an elastic rope that's like, you know, creating pressure, two buoys, and me. Whoa. So I'm kind of waiting for it to slow down and to tire it up. When I feel there's no pressure anymore, so there's like a clip and then the bungee cord, I like, I, I put it up, I put it up. And then when the fish come close enough, so I had a second smaller gun to give it like a, like a, a last shot, basically. And the first seven to eight times, the fish, as soon as was seeing me, was going back down. And I'm like, Ugh, for fuck's sakes. I'm like, Jesus. And then I like, keep pulling the fish up. I'm like, I'm not feeling good. Like, I'm, like, I'm feeling so bad. I puked after it. That, but you're so much adrenaline. And you're like using all your energy. And the last time, he was just like, he had no energy left. So I managed to give it a second shot. Then I brained it. and then Oh, in the brain? So I went back where, to the surface. Where do you shoot in, to get the brain? So most of the time, it's basically like right behind the eye. So kind of behind at the top of the head and the eye, that's kind of where the fish brain is. So I, he, I bled it. When you brained them, they just stiffen up? They just stop. They kind of like, mm. either like shake a little bit and um, and just stop moving. Then you just bleed it and put it back on the boat. Wow. I didn't talk the entire way. Really? I was just like with my mat open and if people were talking to me. I was like, shh. I was like, I can't, I can't right now. Like, I don't even know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's so big. 400 pounds is so big to shoot with a spear gun. So we get, the- <laughs> we get back to the duck and there's like a bunch of like Mexicans gathering. it. like, oh, nice. You're like, who got that? And they pointed like the girl in the background. I'm like, me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you like that? That you are like this like. <sighs> it's, it's. Thin girl that's killing these giant. Look at the size of that thing. My God. That is huge. That was a nice fish. It's so wide. Wow, that is cool. Is that the spear that's laying on top of it yeah, there? Yeah, that's the spear, yeah. Wow. That's massive. It was so great. I was, I was, I was, I was so in shock that I could barely, barely speak. How long is it? How long is the fish? Yeah. Don't give me meters either. Good question. <laughs> it looks like it's like nine or ten feet long. Is that it was right? Long. Uh, yeah, it's probably like a nine good feet. like something like that. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Were you thinking at any point in time like, oh my god, I bit off more than I could chew? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> After I shot it, I was like, oh shit. What have like, I done? This is when <laughs> come I'm gonna get dragged to the bottom of the ocean hanging out of this buoy. It's like this may be my last day, but. Wow. Will be a fun one. <laughs> what is it? Have you shot anything big other than that? Like, is that the by far the biggest thing you've ever shot? Yeah, that's by far the biggest one I ever shot. What have you shot before? That's like, have you shot like a fifty pound fish? 
Actually, like a hundred pound. Oh, you did. Black tuna. So it was. Oh. It was. I got big fish, but this was like. I was like, this fish can take me down. That's the first it. time that I was like. There's a possibility that I do not win this battle. <laughs> I caught a, a tuna that was probably like 25 pounds or 30 pounds once. In Hawaii? It wasn't that big. Yeah, in Hawaii. And uh, it was so strong. Mm -hmm. When I hooked him, I was like, holy shit, what is this? And the guy was like, I think that's a tuna. I think that's a tuna. Because he was so powerful. I couldn't imagine a 100-pound one. They're so strong. They're like muscle. If you put your hand, that sounds maybe creepy, but... If you fillet a fish when you just got it right off the boat, it's warm inside. Mm -hmm. It has like very like it has warm body temperature. Yeah. Because it never stopped moving, so a tuna doesn't stop. Mm. So if if you shoot at a tuna and you would aim at like the tip of the nose, because by the time you shoot, even if the fish looks like he's not moving, he's moving. He's always in movement. Really. Yeah. So you have to lead them. Yeah. Mm. So they're pretty, but they just like big ball of muscle like and constant movement how fast does a, a spear gun go like what's the feet per second of the spear itself i have no clue you really no oh that's the difference between spear gunners and archers you <laughs> ask an archer they'll tell you 285 feet per second at 425 <laughs> grains i'm shooting a 70 pound hoy they'll tell I you i know how far i can shoot <laughs> yeah how far can you shoot a good 25 feet well my biggest gun a good 25 feet 25 feet is yep. it well that's super intimate See, oh, the yeah. way people have described it to me, they they said you would love uh, spear fishing. To me, that cause they said it's like it's basically like bow hunting in the water. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's not like fishing. It really almost not even shouldn't a be bit. called spear fishing. It's not even fishing. Water a hunting. Bit. It's water hunting. Yeah, yeah. Because to, you go down, so you you do breed up at the surface, so you 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 calming your heartbeat and everything. Mm. You're slowing everything down, and then you take a drop, and this is when the hunting starts. Dun, so dun, you dun, have dun, different, dun, dun, dun. you get it by ambush or mm. curiosity. Mm. So oh, there's so different ways. It depends on the species. Different species react differently. Which species are curious? Snapper. I guess that would be a really curious one. There's a lot of fish there that can be curious. Snappers are curious? That Marlin got curious. Really? Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snappers are curious? That's weird because they're so delicious. It's, it really depends and it's it's. Especially that's the beauty of free diving is you don't make any noises. You kind of, you still, you're just there. And it's, it's like when you're not good at spearfishing, it's normally it's because you move around and you're very uh, jittery you in the water. And this is when the fish yeah. is like, eat it once and like, just going to go do my thing. That's the same with hunting. You can't make big movements. Like you can look at an animal with binoculars, but if you do, you, you got to like go like this. You got to like, if you're going to look at an elk, binoculars got to go like this. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is me slowly <laughs> lifting my hands up to my head. <laughs> but if you do that, you could lift those binoculars, and eventually you get to here. But it takes. That's how you have to do it. You can't just go like that. They'll go, fuck this. Pew. And they can bolt. see you. Yeah. But even if they see you, you could kind of go like this. So if the movement is very slow, it's it's they, be they, very they slow. don't really mind. It's got to be very slow. They're they're looking out for fast twitch predator movements, you know. So if you are holding something and you're just going like this, or I'm just looking through these binoculars. So you enter the slow you, dumb category. 
Well, you you enter into this category where it's like, what is that? The thing's looking at you like, what the fuck is that tree doing over there? It's almost like if it mean they don't understand wind, right? So they they see movement, they might think it's like blowing in the wind. It's not, <laughs> but it's not this. If you like lift your binos up to your face real quick, they just fucking jet. They're like, oh, that's it. That's a person, or that's a thing. That's a predator. Okay. That's a Did good I tell trait. you about the mountain lion I saw in Utah? No. Oh boy, I've seen mountain lion. I've I've seen two mountain lions before this one. One of them I saw in Colorado. Uh, one of them I saw in Montecito, which is outside of Santa Barbara in California, which is weird because it's like this beautiful uh, suburban community. It's gorgeous, and I see this uh, thing that I thought was a coyote running across the road, and then I notice its tail. It had this like flowing, bouncing mountain lion tail. I was like, oh shit, that's a cat. <gasps> and I was like, that's a fucking mountain lion. This, it was wild. Um, but it was nothing like when I saw in Utah. What I saw in Utah was enormous. The one I saw in Montecito was probably like 60 pounds, 70 pounds, something like that. Not that big. This one was 170 pounds easy. It might have been more. Oh, wow. It was huge. It had a big old pumpkin head and giant forearms, and I was only 30 yards from it. It was really close, and we were in a truck. Luckily, we were in a truck, because if I was out on foot, outside, I would be shitting my pants, because it was very different. Looking in that thing's eyes, perhaps. There was two of us, so probably not, and uh, my buddy did have a gun with him in the truck. I mean, I would imagine not, but fucking you never know. It's like if you catch one hungry, like you don't know. Like if a mountain lion just thinks he can get away with it, they might do it. They've killed people for hundreds and hundreds of years. They've killed people. I mean, they tried not to be around people because they associate people with danger. But if you're a hiker and you're like out there by yourself in the mountain lions, like... <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody with this motherfucker. They might just kill you. I mean, it happens. It happened uh, two times last year. Someone got killed in Washington State, and someone got killed in Portland, uh, outside of Portland. Jeez. By mountain lions. Just hiking. Yeah, mm, yeah just hiking. Yeah. And uh, there was another one recently where a guy shot a mountain lion in the face. He was bow hunting, and a mountain lion was like 10 yards away from him, creeping up on him. He was like, get out of here. Fuck off. Get out of here. And the thing's like looking at him, and then he just like pulls out his gun and, and whacks it in the face. But it's so intense. You, you, I'm going to see that. Find, find that video. It's so, it's so intense because you could f see the guy shitting his pants. Like, look at this. Give me, go full screen. And give me from the beginning. You get back. Look at that. Look how close. I mean, that, that literally might be 10 feet. That's, that's so close. Look you at get it. Get back. What are guys? The guy's yeah. freaking out. You get back. Back. Ah, ah, ah. No. No. Oof. I just had to shoot this mountain lion. Would he have filmed that so people believe him? Is that like... Popped it in the face could be could be holy shit well that is as, like you show that to the game warden the game warden is going to go okay you all right buddy like that's not like because sometimes people do shoot mountain lions and they're just assholes yeah like you know maybe it's trying to get away maybe it's just looking at you and you don't have to shoot it but that is so goddamn close 
Like that guy had to shoot. Just it. to get to that though, wouldn't like? Do you think he had his phone already filming and then like it, came it was up? probably cl- closing in on him? Oh, and then he was if like, I had right, a, I gotta... if I had a guess, because the way it's so close to him, I mean, I think that's a juvenile, and sometimes the juvenile ones are the most dangerous because they don't know what they can kill and what they can't Shot kill. Shot is the same, and it's oh, really? like when when people, I'm guessing that if if you posted that video, people would go crazy on it. Hmm. Like you, you were in the Lion Martin habitat, blah 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 blah. You shouldn't be here anyways, blah blah blah. Those people need to go eat shit. That whole that like the, you're in the mountain lions neighborhood. It's the same with sharks. Like when the, the surfer got attacked by by a shark during a competition. Yeah. It's and people are like, well, he's in a shark habitat. Okay, put your mom who's <sighs> going on a swim. And Cuba, whatever you guys are not allowed to go. To. Um. <laughs> you can go to Cuba, can't you? Can, can you, you go, go to Cuba? Cuba? I know what you're saying. Anyway, now. so like it's and and a shark comes in. Who do you pick? Right. Mr. You like your mo- my mummy is in a shark habitat. Yeah. Come on. Come on. That's just a thing people say. And it's usually a thing people say when they have no experience at all with wildlife. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're so insulated. It's that's one of the more unique things about the path that you've chosen because you were not a person who grew up hunting and fishing yes. and living in the wild and you you chose that life so you had to kind of integrate yourself and you had to become a part of that world and figure out the rules of that world and understand there's a lot of people that don't they don't ever sure. understand that world but it's as as, as you know because it, it, it was the same situation for you right that's not you're not you yeah grew up into it and no. it's it's i think sometimes people kind of are are not giving enough credibility to the passion you can develop mm-hmm. when you get that. Like the story you were telling about hunting earlier, it's it's you get you can fall in love with this lifestyle and this this this, this just this way of living so hard, even though it was not like Something I told you earlier. Like as I was a kid, it was I was scared of my own freaking shadow when growing up. It's like you know, like I can barely lift like a five pounder. It's and it's it's you 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 change and you evolve, and I, I it's it's that's just the way you become and it's I think it's not as it's not that different and I don't think you get less either credibility or, or you know you're allowed to love it as much as somebody who's been doing it since they were four yeah you're certainly allowed to but that's the thing about everything it's people like to claim things as be like this is our thing this is my world this is my you know like no it's like come on it's like Life is open-ended. There's a lot of things you can do. And when someone decides to become a spearfisher person at, you know, 28 years old, like, why not? <laughs> why not? Who gives a shit? Why not? You know, whether you want to do jujitsu at 54 like that lady Betty. Why not? Why not? Fucking, there's no rules. Just go do it. You know, don't don't think you're going to be, like, the best at it. You know, things take time and energy and respect that. Respect the people that have already put in that time and energy. That's very it's important. True. I mean, but you can get good. This lady yeah. got, she got to a black belt. In 11 years, at 54 years old. It's wild. It's, it's crazy. It's wild. So 65, she gets her black belt. It's crazy. It's about work and dedication. But anything that you do, and I've, I've, I've heard that a lot from people, like, oh, no, I'm too old to try this. I'm too old. Like, eh. it's not even a little bit. You can try silly. anything at any age. Yeah, that kind of talk is silly. But or like it's people being scared of that, looking though. stupid. Yeah, they're scared of looking stupid. That's but looking stupid is good for you. Hundred percent. You have to look stupid. Yeah, it's, uh, being like humbled is good for you. 
it's like that's how you learn and then next time you get better or eventually you get better and then you look back at that time we sucked like one of the things that led me to excel in jujitsu was thinking how badly I got abused when I was a white belt. <laughs> I, got, I got tortured. Guys beat the shit out of me. And I remember thinking, I can't believe how easy it is for these guys to mangle me. <laughs> I was not by any stretch of the imagination like an overnight success in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> not by any stretch of the imagination. I was a brown belt for eight fucking years. So it's like when I remember my white belt days, I think about it and I was like, that is probably one of the biggest motivating factors for me to keep going. It's like, I realized I was so bad. I couldn't believe it because I was a really good martial artist. Like I was a, a Taekwondo champion. I had kickboxed and I, I had good striking skills. So for me to just get humiliated like that, I was like, what? Like, this is crazy. I thought I would have, I thought it would be like boxing. Like when I went from um, Taekwondo to boxing. I wasn't good at boxing at all, but I was definitely way ahead of someone who had never done striking before. Yeah. So I figured I would be like that. Like when I got into kickboxing, I was pretty good pretty quick because I had already gotten good at kicking things and I had done some punching in Taekwondo and I'm like, I'm just going to learn some fundamentals and I'm going to excel at this. But then when I got into jiu-jitsu, I was like, oh my God, I'm on the ground floor. <laughs> like I'm literally, I thought I was on like the fourth floor. Uh-uh. No fourth floor, bitch. You're on the ground. I'm in the basement, just getting mangled. It was uh, humiliating, but I always remember thinking like, "This is incredible," because the guy who hum was several people humiliated me, but I always remember this one purple belt one day just br brutalized me, and I would think like, "This guy wasn't bigger than me. He wasn't stronger than me. There wasn't anything about him that was like physically imposing. He was just way better than me." So part of me was like, "I want to be like that one day," where when I roll with someone I know that I'm just gonna strangle them because I've I've gone through the gauntlet I've gone through but that the only way you get there is by feel, looking like an idiot for sure yeah 100% that's I think it, it works for everything is when yes. I picked up spearfishing I went around the world and I went diving with the best spearfisherman in the world and like I shut the fuck up and I listen yes that's, that's the good. only thing you had to do and I was like feeling out of fire's place I was feeling that I was not yeah. I suck, and that's 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 okay. Ask Sucking questions. is good. It's good to ask, ask questions. questions. Yeah, there's always somebody who's going to be better than you. So oh, yeah. it's it's oh, just yeah. like you have to to learn that. And I've been raised that way, so it's, I'm, I've I've been used to that since I'm a kid. It's mm. my, everybody takes the piss out of each other in my family. It's like the oh, biggest really? activities making fun of each other. Ah, that's fine. So it's I remember for my. <laughs> Through your birthday, I sent a photo of my mom. I was in Key West, and I fell off the bicycle that I rented there. So I fucked up all my knee, and it's blading. So I sent a photo of my mom. I was like, I hurt myself. Thinking like she's going to be like, oh, are you okay? She went into the album of my childhood, digged up a photo of me who just fell off my bicycle crying, took a photo, sent it to me, and said, like, looks like you haven't got much better. That's hilarious. <laughs> That, so I've been raised by a savage woman. <laughs> <laughs> Has your have you ever thought about taking your mom spearfishing? Yeah, she she would be good at it. I took my sister. Did she? And she was like going like thirty feet and being fearless really? and everything. And I was like, Wow! My first day, I had a freaking panic attack, and here you are like being like super good and free diving. I've taught you nothing yet. <laughs> well, maybe it's because she knows that you can do it. It's like if this bitch could do it, I could do it. <laughs> Yes, that would definitely sound like my sister. <laughs> really? Is that what it is? She always was better than me in sports, so I don't think it changed much. 
Oh, so she, she was strong. She's younger than me, and she always been stronger and better sport than. <laughs> so maybe she saw that you could do it and gave her courage to do it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's something to be. She's said like about that. Moran can do it for sure. I can. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first day like when you first did it? Like, h- how did you do it? Like, did someone? Did you have a friend? Like. Yes. So I'm, I made friends in London who were super into it, and they took me. I didn't really want to go, but um, yeah, I kind of have you know a little bit of. FOMO happening here, so I was like, fine, I'll try it once, because, you know, I'm going to try everything once. In London? In London. So they were going in the ocean outside of England? Uh, so basically, we flew to Egypt to take a free dive class. Egypt? And I got there, and I was like, nah, it's cool, you know, I liked it. What and kind like, of cool. fish are in Egypt? It says no fishing, it was just free diving, because you have oh. to free dive before you spearfish. Okay. okay. It's free diving is like the base, it's just, right, otherwise it's a bit dangerous. And... They're like, good, because in three months, we're going to this big trip. We're going to this island called Ascension Islands, middle of nowhere. Three months. And I'm like, okay, so like, what is what is spearfishing? Explain to me what we're going to do. Oh, it's cool. So we're going to like go like 100 miles away from shore. And like, I don't know my mouth, so that's probably like, <laughs> I don't know, probably like 20 miles away from shore. I don't know. 100 miles is like, how many kilometers is that? It's a lot, <laughs> I think. What is it? What's? I'll have to do it the other way. <laughs> Maybe that's like 100 kilometers is really more. 100 kilometers, isn't that 60 miles? Okay. No. I have literally have no yeah, idea. 62. Okay. 62. It's, okay. 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 So we went maybe probably about like 20 miles, 30 okay. miles away from shore. And so they explained it to me that this is going to be like about like 150 feet deep of water and I'm not going to see the bottom and I have to jump in the water and just do drops and just like, Take a dive, look around, come back up. I'm like, I'm gonna do what now? And like, it's no, I'm like, just like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. It's like, yeah, you'll be fine. The boat is gonna, you're gonna drift. The boat is gonna follow you. I'm like, no, it's a, what? Are you insane? And I just, I did it. Then I just jumping in, and the water was so fucking awesome. And I caught my first fish that day, and it's. What you catch? What was it? I got a blackjack. It's like, it's, it's not a good fish to eat. In this it's latest. not. No. <laughs> What's a blackjack? What does it look like? It's like it's a, a jack type of fish, and it's, it's like a drac corval. Like, yeah, kind of the same family, just completely black, and it's it's. It's not good to eat. It's not great. What it it's edible, like? but it's it's not great. What it's kind like? of like it's just a bit. It's kind of chicken that tastes a bit fishy. Chicken that tastes fishy. Yeah, interesting. Kind of. <laughs> it Is was it, odd. Can it be treated with like certain spices or something? Yeah, you can. You can if you make it good. I mean, just the fact that it was my first fish made it taste freaking awesome. Right. But it was. So of course, my friends were like, "Well, like you shot a fish, good for you, but now you have to bring it back to the boat." And it's it's. Is I've it never big? had friends who've given me like hands out, like like oh, I'm gonna do this for you, I'm gonna help you, and blah blah blah. I was always very much. Do it for yourself. You do it, which right. is good because now in situations when I don't know what to do. So thanks to your friends, uh, Cam- Cameron Haynes. Yes. So I was in Alabama. I shot a deer, got dark. Nobody's coming to pick me up yet because there's other people with deer. So I'm like, I've seen Cameron Haynes do that. I'm going to put that fucking deer on my back. So I'm like. Really? I'm like, oh, yeah. So there's like a little <laughs> hill thing. So I'm dragging the deer up the hill. So I'm like, perfect. Putting like, the legs going down the hill. So I'm like, great, put myself on the ground, put my back on the ground, put like my knees up and I'm like sliding behind it, grabbing like both set of legs on each side. So I'm like, 
I'm just like carrying back to the path and then the choir's gonna come pick me up. Right. So I'm like grabbing two legs, like I didn't lift a fucking thing an inch off the ground. How much did it weigh? So something like eighty five pounds. That's it? Eighty five pounds of dead weight is a lot to carry around. I didn't live that freaking thing up, so I was like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm like, like cursing under my beard. And like, you know, you have to do? Dragging the thing by the legs at night, <laughs> holding my phone. You have to keep hammering. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Cam would say. Gotta keep hammering. <laughs> Gotta get the guns bigger. <laughs> he he loves carrying the heavy shit. He does one, one workout he does. One of the ways I met him is uh, he had YouTube videos of different ways he trained for bow hunting, and that was the first time I had ever heard of anybody training for hunting. I was like, why does he train for hunting? Like, I don't get it. I'd never done any bow hunting. And then I didn't understand like what it was like to be in the mountains, like the, the amount of cardiovascular energy you need and the amount of endurance you need and the amount of physical strength you need just to carry things up the mountain, like if you have to bring an animal down, if you have to pack an animal out or... He had a rock that weighed like 130 pounds, and he would carry it on his shoulder. He put it in a backpack. He would carry it a bunch of different ways and go up this mountain. And uh, he was like doing these YouTube videos where he's talking while he's carrying this fucking 135-pound rock up a mountain. I was like, what is this guy doing? Like, what's this guy all about? Like, this is weird. And then I got to know him and try to understand. Like, and then I had him on a podcast, and he gave me a bow, took me bow hunting. It's very interesting. That's how I became friends with him. Well, next time you can take me and you can carry me, guys. Like, you guys can just carry me in a backpack. At least you can just, like, <laughs> stick my head out and just look at the landscape around. <laughs> Don't you want to carry yourself? You do. You'd be upset if people were carrying you around. You'd want to carry yourself. we got to get you to uh, more than 35 pounds of pull. When you pull 35 pounds back, is it hard? I could, for, up to 45, I can pull back. Did you do 45? I did 45. It's 50. That's is. I was like, you try 50, to pull a 50, I'm just combo. like... <laughs> a lot of it's technique, though, because you're not pulling just with this one arm. You're pushing and pulling at the same yeah. time. So 50 is really only 25. Because it's 25 pounds of pull, 25 pounds of push. And it's a small window because it's a cam. So as the cam rotates over, it gets easier. So as you're right here, then it's 50. But then it goes like this. Boom. Yeah. And then it's easy. 50 was... We got to help you with your technique, though. Your technique. In. Tyler told me to keep 35 for a little while just to get like yes. my technique like really like dialed in and get like, really good at it. shoot his range, the yeah. range they have in archery did, country? Yeah. That's nice. Beautiful. Was, I had a really good time. That's It's a fun thing to do, right? Even if you really don't ever fun. plan on hunting, it's a very fun thing to do. It's I, Yeah, I, I really found myself falling in love with the whole hunting thing. It's just, I, I mean, it was kind of a natural progression of, of spearfishing anyways. Yes. Totally. Seems and to me. And it's just, it's just, if, I, I like the idea of being self-sufficient just in general. I don't like being dependent on anybody. The thing Probably about hunting though. Probably why I'm freaking 34 single. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of the reasons. But like a <laughs> rifle though, when you get a rest, all you have to do is just keep your shit together and Boom! Rifles are the best. I love I love hunting with rifles. If you want to shoot something and you want to kill it and eat it, rifles are the best. That's the way to yes. go. The thing about a bow is it's like it's more challenging. It's a different thing. But I shot a pig this year with a rifle. It was awesome. I loved it. I think also you need to know what you're doing. So a lot of people are like, why do you need to go into bow hunting? I'm like, 
firstly, it's it's if if I'm gonna shoot something with a rifle, I'm gonna probably hurt it enough if I take my time. If I'm hunting something with a bow, the chance of me hurting it and the thing suffering for a very long time is probably very high. <laughs> it is very high with you have a 35 pound bow. Yes. You know, in a lot of places, you're not even legally allowed to hunt with a 35 pound bow. Okay. I don't know if that's the case of Texas, but there's many states where I think the limit for a lot of states is 45 pounds. You have to be able, because the idea is like you're not going to get enough energy to go yeah. through rib cages and stuff like that and hit vital organs. <laughs> I, I could do 45 now. It's just, just about, I just want to be girl. good at 35, then move up my way through the food chain. Well, listen, when you're in Florida, just find a trainer. Just start doing some rows. Just start doing something where you, you know, like cable rows are the best. Because here's the thing with cable rows, Cam does these. You could take a weight, like a 25-pound a dumbbell or a 10-pound dumbbell, whatever, and just hold it straight out like this and then grab a cable, like a cable machine, and pull back like that. And just practice pulling back, and you'll develop all those muscles that you use to pull back a bow. Yeah, I think a training plan is probably a good thing. I like yeah. I like training for shit. Like I like like have having a goal and like tell me try to do that. Like you got to get after it now, yeah. though, because I you have do. you have right now we're almost February, so you have nine months. Yeah. Nine months to October, and you guys are gonna hunt. Where'd you say Alaska? I think so. What are you hunting in Alaska? Elk. Elk in Alaska. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. Donnie Vincent knows his shit. That'll be good. I, be I, good for I, you. I don't know him. It's it's for a documentary, so it's Oh, it's, you haven't met him yet? No, I haven't met him. He's great. Great guy. Very smart. Was a wildlife biologist. He oh, uh had a great story on the podcast I did with him about wolves. It's really interesting. Yeah. But he, he's had a just like super cool badass photo where he's like carrying a mountain lion actually. Yeah, he shot a mountain lion. Yeah. So yeah, which so are delicious. Two by people the way. who were who delusioned me into thinking I could carry my deer back to camp. Well, well you know, Donnie <laughs> Vincent's a big brawny man, big handsome scrappy man. He's got a great image too. He just looks good. He's, he's a good-looking guy. Oh, he's handsome. He's got the flowing white hair, and it's like he's got the fucking wool hat on. He's <laughs> so handsome. <laughs> but he's also he's interesting. He's an interesting character. He's a very smart guy. And um, a guy who really deeply respects wildlife too. He makes a lot. Of, he he's got a weird path, and unfortunately, I don't think the path is the best way. Like he has, he makes these movies, and you have to pay on Vimeo to watch uh, the movie. <sighs> but this is the internet, son. You know, I try to. I mean, I can only give so much advice, but my advice is always make shit free. It's hard to get people to pay for stuff. They don't want to pay for shit. Like That's if true. you want to keep your audience small, like this podcast might get to a point where I might like put up a paywall just so nobody listens. <laughs> <laughs> just get to a point where I just like, like, you know, you you could sort of like slide into obscurity. You could slide away. <laughs> you know, is that your retirement plan? <laughs> yeah, that's my retirement plan. Put up a paywall and then, you know, donate a lot of money to charity so people don't get mad at me about the money. <laughs> just, you know, but just to make it so that it's harder to get. But it's good to have people like that are that know what they're doing and that very knowledgeable because, you know, at least 
that it's spear fishermen or hunters. I think yes. like, we have a very big reputation of being a bunch of dumbasses just like to kill stuff. Yeah, that's not true. You know, it's hard to do, but it's like everything else, like jujitsu. Like a lot, you know, if you asked the average person, like, what is uh, jujitsu about? They're like, oh, a bunch of idiots choking each other. But then you meet people like, you know, the really brilliant jujitsu people. Like they're they're inte- like John Donaher, the guy who's a fucking one of the most brilliant people I've ever talked to in my life, and he's a jiu-jitsu professor. Like these people that are looking at it from the outside, they just they're it's an honest mistake. It's a normal mistake. But it's the same thing with hunting. It's the same thing with everything. It's you think it's easier than it is. You think it's simpler than it is. For Human sure. beings are complex. And all the different things that we do, all the different things that we do, whether it's race car driving or ballet or yoga, they're harder than you think they are. All, all those things. Do, do, do you want to get good at something? It's hard. You want to be a good a poet? It's hard. You want to write songs? It's hard. You know, you want to do stand-up comedy? It's fucking hard. All these things are hard. Everything's hard. Everything worth doing is hard. Yeah. And that's okay, too. It's okay to be. But it's like this dismissal of it. You know, like, oh, these fucking people, they're just idiots who like to kill things. <laughs> Are there people like that out there? Yes, there are. Just like, are there people that, uh, you know, they're painters and they suck? Yeah, of course. Because there's a limited, you know, like the the barrier to entry for fishing is very easy. Go buy a fishing license, go get a rod, get some hooks, get some line, get some bait or get some lures and figure it out. Go do it. It's the barrier to entry. So any moron, like remember our story about the 14,000 people in the arena? How many of those people are morons? Like hundreds, right? So that's the same thing with fishing. It's with everything else, with hunting, with everything else. Like if you look at the moron that goes hunting and say, oh, that's what a hunter is, or the moron that does jujitsu, or the 14-year-old girl punched you in the face, and you go, that's whatever. They're all just all punching each other in the face. Now that's, that's rare. That's a, that's a young child, that's part of it. Someone doesn't have control, that's part of it. They don't understand yet, that's part of it. But th- there's a, v- a wide variety. But the thing is, if you see like George St. Pierre training, you go, oh, wow, this is wild. Like You get to see it at a super high level and all the exchanges and all the positions and all the different transitions that they're going through. You go, oh, this is complex. Yeah, yeah very complex. Very complex. Like I said, I've been doing it forever, and I still watch new things that people do, and I'll go, oh, how did he do that? Like, I'll show you. I have a bunch saved on my phone. Well, I'll go over them, and I'll go, oh, look at that. (laughs) And then I'll think, can I do that? I don't even know how to get my fucking leg up there like that. It's it's cool. I think there's a stigma, too, about the fact that it's, you know, what, what society often doesn't understand it's easy to critique mm-hmm. in a way, and it's 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 yeah. easier for people to understand a vegan who says, "I love animals and I don't want to eat it." And that's a better, it's a statement that's it's easier to understand that like, yeah, I go out there, I train, I I, I actually harvest like protein, then I bring it back home. I bet if that vegan was staring down one of those grizzly bears in Wyoming, I or that mountain it. lion that that guy shot. I, mean, I think they'd have a completely different thought about what wildlife is. For sure. Anyways, you would look at that demon where it's looking at you in the eye like this. <laughs> Just thinking of eating you. But it's, it's, it's all bullshit in the end because it's, it's, you know, if you look at Beyond Me, by example, you know, like when that 
Seaspiracy. Seaspiracy. What is it? Seaspiracy. Seaspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> I get just can you just imagine me speaking French how bad I would be at it so feel free to mock me. So basically like when I came out I got really pissed and I was like yeah, I'm going to do some digging because like this is this is an outrage to freaking people have been dedicating their lives to sustainable sea not me but like mm-hmm. people are underpaid undervalued everything right. you can take off and You know, uh, Beyond Meat, by example, or even the fake ship, the shrimp they're promoting at the end of the of the documentary. They have fake shrimp. Oh yeah, so they they promote for 15 minutes talking about they made up this vegan fake shrimp and like oh. people should buy it. It's made by it's made with palm oil. That shit's so bad for you. First of all, and then guess who's a lead invest lead investor in the company? The people who made the documentary. Tyson Meat. Oh. Tyson well, Meat was also one of the biggest investors. Are you saying Tyson Meats? Is Tyson that what you're saying? I, do you understand what you're saying? I kind of get yeah. it. Tyson Meats. Tyson Meats. That's what she's supposed to say. She's supposed to say Tyson Meats. It's crazy. It's like now like the yeah. meat industry is actually funding the yeah. vegan stuff. Of course they are. They're trying to make money. They're trying to get paid. It's insane to me. If the pharmaceutical companies could sell weed, they would sell weed. Mm-hmm. Don't they do that in Canada I already? I think they do. They probably do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're trying to make money. They're companies that try to make money, you know? I mean, I get it. It's just that the the reality is those processed seed oils are fucking terrible for you. They're terrible for you. If you want to be a vegan, you should eat vegetables. For and, sure. And d- stop making them look like cheeseburgers. Just get the fuck out of here. Right? You should grow them too. <laughs> God, that looks like rat that turds. awful. <laughs> that looks so bad. That looks like a bloody rat turd. It's just I can't. That can't be good. Can't be good for you. If it's filled with palm oils and shit. It's because like, you have to do a lot of weird processed stuff to make a lot of those fake vegan foods. But if you want to make like Indian food, you know, like uh, there, there was a great vegetarian restaurant near my house in California that was a, an Indian place, and I mean it was fucking straight from India. Like these people were, you know, they spoke Indian. They all had, or what is it, Hindi? What they? Few dialects. Few dialects. I think so. Either way, they they spoke whatever they speak in India, and they had. Um, I mean, there was everyone there that was eating there was Indian. They were just Indian immigrants, and so I would go there, and I didn't even know what the stuff was. I just pick up, pick that one. That one looks good. I'll have something. It was like a cafeteria style. And you just point to what you'd like, and they make you a plate. It was amazing. But it was all like you know lentils and curry, and it wasn't fake chicken. Or a fake shrimp, or a fake cheeseburger. Get the fuck out of here with that <laughs> nonsense. And it was healthy. It's healthy vegetarian food. Like you can eat healthy vegetarian food. There's a lot of it, you know. But it's like it's beans and rice and different ways of preparing it that taste delicious. There's a lot of cultures that excel in making vegetarian dishes. But we've got this weird thing where people are trying to trick people. Into like fake stuff. Yeah, that's but, crazy. But when you're eating that, you're gonna feel like shit. That's why their their stock has plummeted. Their make sure that's true. The stock has plummeted for like Beyond Meat. I think they started out of the gate really strong, and I don't I don't think they're doing so good right now. There was a photo of the uh, when the hurricane was hitting, and they showed these shelves in Louisiana where all the meat was gone, but there was still <laughs> all the Beyond Meat was still sitting there. It's definitely way lower over the year. Yeah, because people tried it. All my friends who are vegans like, you got to try it. It's really amazing. It tastes exactly like a cheeseburger. I'm like, fuck you. It does not. It does not. 
It just doesn't. It might taste like a cheeseburger if you get Thousand Island dressing on it and pickles and <laughs> onions and you put it in a bun and you're confused by all the corresponding the flavors. <laughs> yeah. But if you cut me a piece of cheeseburger, because I, when I eat cheeseburgers, most of the time I don't eat bread. I just eat, I take the bread off and I just eat the Oh, packs. I saw that. Yeah. That's how I eat it. <laughs> so when you eat like that, you know, you know what it's meat. Yeah. I'm not getting tricked. If I eat your bullshit soybean oil fucking canola seed oil burger. It's a new McDonald's. Plant lettuce tomato. McPlant. Fuck off. Fuck off, McDonald's. I'm not coming to you for health, McDonald's. I'm coming to you because I hate myself. <laughs> I'm, coming to you, I'm coming to you for horrible food at 1.30 in the morning when I'm starving and I'm coming home from a comedy club or something. I'm eating filet of fishes. Or if I'm really getting crazy, I'm eating. I had a uh, quarter pounder. Fish fillet sustainable. Fish fillets, fillet of fish. McDonald's, yeah. How is it? It's it's good. Then it's actually it's, it's good fish. Is it really fish? Yeah, it's really fish. I didn't even think it was fish. I it's it was really like fish, some... and it's actually sustainably caught. Really? No. Really? Yeah. What do they catch? I'm what is so it? Sh- uh, cod, I think. Obviously. Cod? I think so. I don't remember. No, Pollock. Yeah. Pollock yeah. has yeah. to be Pollock. Yeah. Really? It's yeah. sustainable. It is. Sustainable. How is it sustainable? What's in our fillet of fish? Okay, it says uh, filet fish sandwich made with 100% wild-caught Alaskan pollock. So it's it's certified by DMSC. Healthy as fuck, son. That's what it is. <laughs> Told you. What's the new one there? What do you mean? There's oh, a new here. one. What is that? What's that big fat it's one? A, it's a homemade one. Someone, I think, they oh. probably made a YouTube oh. video to say, like, oh, I well, can make a filet That looks too. way better. Their homemade one was really goddamn <laughs> delicious. I'm, I'm all in. But I had a quarter pounder with cheese recently. Not recently, like a... Uh, six months ago and it was uh sweet i was Pretty. eating it. i was like there's like sugar in this goddamn thing i was just gonna ask if you guys had heard of because i worked at a restaurant that served imitation crab meat but this was a long time ago so it couldn't have been plant-based oh let us no let us sushi no it's not it's fish yeah it's pollock apparently. it's a type I of just fish i looked it up <laughs> it's brown and it looks like shit same kind of fish yeah is it pollock that's what it said it's i'm an... gonna look it up not all imitation crab meat is but does pollock taste good on its own or do they have to fuck with it I, I I don't name in, in French. I don't know name in English. It's, oh. it's it's a brown ugly fish. What's the name in French? Goberge. Goberge. Does that good? Does that sound like no, you, you doing it? No, you said terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you shit of French. I'm terrible. I mean terrible. terrible. Why do you say terrible in French? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do if I if I spoke French. I would just go way overboard. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. You're going to have to teach you how to speak English. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine. That would be the wildest thing to do. Move to another country and learn their language. Like move to France and learn French. I mean, I was 22 when I moved to London and I didn't speak English. What? I was so bad. That's incredible. It's very close to garbage, but it's not. Garbage yeah. de Alaska. Alaska <laughs> Park. How, how do you say it? Say it again. Garbage. Gobesh. <laughs> de Alaska. How do you say de Alaska? This is de an Alaska. L. Oh, you say an L and then ask Alaska. Yes. You you fuck it up. So it's like it's it's, it's Pollock from it's Pollock from de Alaska. You know that is an American name. You should say it the way we say it. Don't be yeah, rude. Yeah. Gobesh it's disrespectful. De, uh, de, la la Alaska. <laughs> it's a you're rude. You're you're ruining our word because our word sounds better when you say Alaska. Don't you understand? That, that's fine. Okay. So I would never call you Joseph from that one, right? Joseph. Joseph. Call me Giuseppe. 
Um, but, you, but you guys say France. We don't say France. France. We don't say France. We say no. France. France. <laughs> French fries. <laughs> Remember when uh, after like 9-11 we started calling them freedom fries? People got upset. Freedom France, France. France, did, France didn't support the United States for some reason, so all the knuckleheads started calling French fries freedom fries. <laughs> no, he's afraid of fries. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the dumbest things about being an American. There's something adorable about real stupidity. Like real, like like patriotic stupidity, where it's like it's so dumb. These are fucking freedom fries. No, they're French fries. <laughs> They've been French fries our whole life, Bob. You can't change the name now because someone who's a politician in France made a choice that you don't agree with. They're, it's a fucking French fry, okay? <laughs> I or, don't even dare making jokes about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I live in Florida too. <laughs> Is Montreal still locked down, or do they open things back up? That's a curfew. It's a 10 p.m. curfew still on. 10 p.m. curfew still. Yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. Does the coronavirus go home yes. until 10 p.m. and then it comes out? Yeah. I mean, the same as what it's, it doesn't exist when you sit down. It only lives below like five foot up. Yeah. When you sit down <laughs> at a restaurant, it goes away. <laughs> you know, CNN is now saying that the fucking masks don't do anything. I've been saying this forever. I'm like, how are you breathing? You're breathing in air. Air's getting in the sides. It's, it can't be working. It's it's a tough situation. The healthcare system has been a freaking shit show for so many years. And yeah. not people were paying for it. So it has, it's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Healthcare system is terrible. It's, but it's also, people are so scared. They're so terrified. There's so many wacky fucking people out there that are just running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Well, they they they, they created this whole... So there's been like a very strong media campaign for the last two years that it's basically there's two groups of people. Either you're a caring person who's smart, who knows what's good. Right. Or, or you're a conspiracy dumbass who's mm-hmm. like selfish and a piece of shit. Piece of shit. And there's like, there's no in between. Right. So it's the second. And it's sad because I had a fight with my own dad. And I was, I was, he was like, well, what do you, what now you live in the States and like, well, you became like a Trumpist. I'm like, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Because I'm against the lockdown. Because I don't like, the, I'm like, what? I was like, no, no, no. What is wrong with you? I just like, don't no. understand the, uh, the logic behind a 10 p.m. curfew. It does, I don't understand the lockdown. It doesn't make any sense, especially in a place where everyone's vaccinated. Like everyone has to be vaccinated up there. So it's 80% it, vaccination yeah. rate. So does it work? So if it does work, why does everybody have to stay home? Like, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. It's not a logical approach. Is there a risk? Yes, there's a risk. There's a way to mitigate that risk. And they're trying to, like, figure out a way, and their way is to tell people to stay home. But that's fucked, because then who's going to pay the bills that those restaurants have? Who's going to hire all those people when their business goes under? Like, what do you, You're going to fuck your economy up. Like, understand this. you got to let people take their own risks. We're two years into this thing. This is not a new thing. This is a thing that's two years old now. We're January of 2022. Come on. Like, enough already. I feel, ba- I feel so bad for, 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 for a lot of people. And it's, I, 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 I understand the concept. I understand that hospitals are overwhelmed. Like, I, I, I get it. I get that you don't have beds. I, I, I know friends with cancer that 
haven't been able to get treatments in over two years because well, there's no got some room for them. Wacky fucking socialized medicine up there it's, too. It's, it's, My friend Jen, she had to wait a whole year before she get her knee surgery up there. She was walking with a horrible yeah. limp for a whole year. It's. I mean, there's upsides and downsides. I yeah, guess. Sure. It's, the upsides is you get to treat treated for free. It's but great. I, I I feel terrible saying this. Like I feel absolutely awful saying this. But if I had a serious disease and my life America. was in danger, I, I I would leave. You wouldn't go to Alaska. I, I would not. No. Go, I, yeah, America. I go to Alaska. <laughs> Land of the free, home of the brave. But the problem is that I would be. I would. I would be in debt for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, well, you could crowdfund it. <laughs> True, I can crowdfund Have it. Have a little barbecue at your house and a GoFundMe. <laughs> well, listen, my friend, let's wrap this up. I got to get out of here. Um, but uh, tell people your social media, where they could find you. So you can follow me on Valentine Thomas on um, um, Instagram. And um, also, if you suffer from stress and anxiety or insomnia or any of that stuff, um, I, just, I just launched today a breathwork company oh. breathwork am i saying this right breathwork breathwork, breathwork. breathwork. pretty good <laughs> say alaska again alaska yes good job <laughs> okay this is your superhuman yes the superhuman co and it's oh. um breathwork yes. exercises so you have breath hole training for oh. just free dive and spearfishing and just breath hole again stress and anxiety I had anxiety since i was 18 i don't have it anymore and um and you've you've broken through with breathwork. Yes. So nice. basically, is we have the company's called Superhumans, and we have super calm, super sleep, super mind, and and super whole, and different type of of breathing exercises. Because it's as you know, breathwork is so is so freaking powerful, yeah. right? That it can help you compared to like Winhof. There's a lot of like boosting your immune system and boost adrenaline. We do a lot of the opposite. So it's breathing to sleep better, to control like you, you stress in everyday life and like hold, holding your breath you shouldn't happen hyperventilate to hold your breath like never mm. do that especially if you're underwater it's the most dangerous thing you can ever do mm. so um yeah it's it's really great and it's there's also so super mind is about breathing to be focused and i think in ufc you see that a lot right it's how do you like the way you breathe before you you would enter the hexagon for example you yeah. want to be focused but you want to be calm at the same time and mm -hmm. it's, it's this whole yeah that's very very powerful thing and so that's superhuman co yeah, and it's not about there's no it's counting down to earth science based. There's no like it's not okay. about chakras Beautiful. and oh thank you things like that. No crystals. No crystals. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you very much for coming. I appreciate you. Oh, and then this documentary you're filming with Donnie Vincent that that'll be available. That's gonna be a long time. Yeah. Okay. My fantastic cookbook will be out before that. Okay. Well, when your cookbook comes out <laughs> and then that comes out, come back on. We'll talk That's about it. that. And hopefully your English will be better. Uh -huh. I'll probably never. <laughs> well, I mean, right. let's say about your French. <laughs> it was terrible. You so the next podcast is going to be in French. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank Bye, you everybody. Me. My pleasure. <laughs> Bye.